1: The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Here's the 1-1. And
2: Hall swings and drives it deep right field. And that ball is going to go. It's gone. And Derek Hall, all he does is homer.
1: Three hits in the bigs and they're all long balls. How about that? And the Phillies have a 4-3 lead.
3: Well, good morning, everybody, along with my pal, Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now. It is a Saturday morning on WIP, Holiday Weekend. Jody Mack, uh, before we get into the brilliance of this day, recall you and your family got any big holiday plans, fireworks, barbecues?
2: What do you got, Jody? Uh, that would be an O for 2, 0 for 3, however far down the list you oh, want to go. Right?
3: Uh, oh. No, we're, I'm working for a living. When yeah, other people I, uh... take off, yours truly goes to work. Yeah, you are. you are. You are the hardest working man in showbiz. I give you credit for that. So last night, as you hear the call from Scott Fransky, with a little percussion from Larry Anderson, just I love every night that Larry's in there. I love that. Anyway, Derek Hall hits his uh, his third career base hit, another homer as the Phillies rally from three to uh, down three zero and win five three. Long Ball Hall, Jody, that's the nickname they gave game at Double A, ninth player in the last sixty years with three home runs in his first three games. What do you think? Sold. <sighs> Two
2: things. Number one, uh, he becomes the first player to do it uh, for the Phillies' Three first three hits, three home runs in the big league since the immortal Ed Sinecki. Oh, are, are, are you on top me. of Ed's work? Uh, um, I, I had never heard the name before last night, to be 100% honest
3: with you. No, and you always, you always when you think somebody like, wow, what a great accomplishment, uh, was the last guy to do it Ryan Howard? Was it Greg Luzinski? You know who was it? Del Ennis? It's like, no, who's who Siniski? Ken Siniski? Ed, Ed Siniski. Siniski, who, no.
2: who Who played for the Phillies back in the 40s and the 50s. And I, I'm being honest, I, I should know this, but I don't. But uh, I looked them up, and I now don't feel so bad about not knowing it because he had all of 20 career major league plate appearances.
3: <laughs> His appearances
2: first, oh. appear, that's it what? he had 20 plate appearances it for is? his career spread out over three years he was up he in 49 yeah. didn't play in 50 came back up in 51 so that was the extent of his career so i don't feel nearly as bad as not knowing him so i looked this stuff up and you know what's we i never know military this before i don't know if that's the case um when you go to BaseballReference.com, do you use baseball reference? Oh, all the time. Can you look up guys, oh, right. the, 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 as
3: late as this morning, as recently as this morning. There you go. You and I both were
2: on it. Uh, they give you not only where he was born, which was in Wallingford, New Jersey, but where he died, which was in Old Bridge, New Jersey, and where he's buried in East
3: Brunswick, yes. New Jersey.
2: I had no idea that you could find out where a guy yes. was buried. You
3: go, you go pay homage to Ed Sinicki. Holy yes. mackerel! I could <laughs> so uh, yes.
2: That kind of tells the tale of Derek Hall. Exciting. (laughs) Um, I hope that this is the beginning of uh, us knowing Derek Hall or Philly fans 40 years from now. Oh, shoot, I remember Derek Hall. That it's not just uh, a guy who came and went like the previous Philly who had hit three home runs in his first three games. In his first three uh, hits. Excuse me. Um, I got to give credit to a caller, Mac. Uh, Somebody called my show Tuesday night. And said, Jody, what the Phillies need to do is they need to trade Reese Hoskins and call up Derek Hall. And I'm going, you know what Hoskins is. He gets hot. He carries the team. He gets cold. He kills the team. His value is going to be what it's going to be. But how do we know what Derek Hall is? He's hitting minor league home runs. Well, the guy comes up and proves he can hit major league pitching. And it's only three games. But he has proven he can drive the ball out of the park. And a has suggested to me Tuesday night here on WIP. I don't know if that's the way it's going to play, but they needed a big bat in the middle of the lineup. And for a handful of games, Derek Hall has done a decent job of filling Bryce Harper's shoes.
3: Yes. And I'll respect and I'll appreciate that um, because, right, Bryce Harper is hurt. Castellanos still really isn't hitting. They needed some offense. Uh, and yesterday they, you know, they, they are now after winning last night. They're a game and a half behind the Cardinals in a wild card race. We're really just about the halfway point. I think well, they play 78 games, I think the Phillies have played. So, right. really at the halfway point, but, you know, you look where they were a month ago. And last night started was the first of seven games in 10 days versus the Cardinals. How's that for a schedule? Um, they trailed by a game and a half in the wild card. You got to figure they got to go four and three, five and two here, right? Kind of push past that obstacle. Correct. And
4: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, you look at each of these series individually, but when you're playing a team that is in your proximity for the postseason berth that you want, there's added value. Um, they needed. They desperately needed to get that last game of the Braves series because they had already lost the series by losing the first two and give them credit for putting a 14th spot on the board. But, yeah, there's added value when you are playing the teams that you know you're going to be in battle with for a playoff spot, I think. And I know we're just reaching the halfway point of the season, as you just pointed out. It's pretty cut and dry. There's going to be four teams uh, battling for those three wild card spots, and the Phillies are the last of that group. They're the ones that are just on the outside looking in. They're going to stay there. I don't think anybody else gets involved. So it's kind of cut and dry as to what uh, they're going to need to accomplish over the second half of the season to make the postseason.
3: And winning last, listen, that we, we, Jody and I have a lot we're going to talk about today. We're A lot of talk about the seventy sixers coming up. A couple of good guests as, as the show goes on. But I wanted to start with the Phillies because it struck me as a really good win last night. Because to be honest with you, when I looked at the, uh, the the batting order for the game going in, right, and you had Matt Vierling playing third base, and you had Bryce and Stott in the game, and you have all all these guys, and then. You looked at Bailey Falter starting against Nicholas. Jody, you could not have gotten me to bet on the Phillies last night, no matter what. Falter only goes four innings, but as you tweeted after the game, the Phillies bullpen, often subject fairly to a lot of criticism, was brilliant.
2: Five innings, two hits. 10, strikeout, ten strikeouts, ten strikeouts in five innings out of the pen. Yeah, And the point of my tweet last night is something that I've been harping on forever, basically. Certainly going all the way back to Charlie Manuel uh, when it comes to Philadelphia. But this conversation will be had in any town with any fan base with their baseball team. When the guy comes out of the pen and has to protect the lead and he doesn't do it, what the hell was the manager thinking? How could he put him into the game? Why didn't he do this, that, or the other thing? And the manager just gets crushed for it. Yeah, the pitcher that gives up the home run gets crushed for it, too. Ask Jerry is familiar about that. Ask Corey Knebel about that. They're not getting a pass, but it's the manager's fault as well, if not more so than the pitcher. Well, last night, the five guys come in, absolutely dominate, all do a great job. I'm guessing there was no mention of Rob Thompson. But Rob Thompson is the one who decided to put each and every single one of them into the spot that he did. Sir Anthony, the eighth, rather than the ninth, and gets the job done in the ninth. Does anybody ever give the manager credit and say, wow, that was strategically smart on the manager's part? Of course not. They get the grief when it doesn't get done and the the picture comes up small. But when it does get done, well, that's, of course, that's what he's supposed to do. Like every uh, secondary manager sitting home would have done it the exact
3: same way. And, and let me give people the numbers, 215-592-9494 to reach us and talk about this. Um, and you mentioned Sir Anthony in the eighth. And I thought that was the best movie made because Sir Anthony, I think is moving into the closer role and, I think he's going to be good at that in the second half of the year. But sometimes the smart move by the manager is not just automatically save your closer for the ninth. And in the eighth inning, the Cardinals had Goldschmidt, and they had Arenado, who were just two killers. Well, Arenado only hit for the cycle last night <laughs> and <laughs> completed it there. But And it was a, a, a little bit of a weak cycle. I disagreed with the, the single the was It was a bad of, scoring decision. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But a home run's a home run, and a you know, triple's a triple. Whatever. A week cycle is still pretty damn good night. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he brings in Sir Anthony in the eighth to face Goldschmidt and Arenado, and I was impressed by that. Again, it could have backfired, but it didn't. It was the smart move. Brad Hand gets him out of the ninth. And uh, it was it was a really fun win. Uh, again, contributions from, from Mickey Moniak. I'm not counting on that too much. Matt Veerling, who made a second start at third, made an error. Um it it was a very unlikely win, and if you're going to get to the postseason, Jody Mac, you need those unlikely wins.
2: 100% correct. And, yeah, Veerling threw the ball, the one that ended up being the debatable play. Yeah. Uh, he almost got it into the stands on a fly. Uh, it was like a throw from right field. His mind just went back to his outfield play, and he absolutely uh, threw one uh, only, I would say, 15 feet above Reese's head at first base. And they gave him a single, which was weak. Uh, but he, I, I'm actually impressed that he plays some decent infield defense. I thought that was such a desperation move that they put him there just because they had roster shortages he hasn't been terrible. He hasn't been mm-hmm. great, but he hasn't mm-hmm. been terrible either. Uh, but you're right about uh, Moniac Got his second RBI of the year last night, Glenn. Woo-hoo! That's What's huge. Your, second to,
3: RBI. Yeah, I think he's up to 130 in the batting, batting average. I know. I know. I know. But Hey, you know, a win's a win. Uh, yeah, you have to love it. Um, let's take on a call here. I think this is our old friend Rick from Easton checking in. Is that correct? Yes, yes sir,
5: my friend. How are you? All right. How are you? My two uh, favorite uh, talk show hosts. How you doing, Jody Mack?
2: Very good. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you, Rick. Appreciate
5: it. Listen, guys, I don't know what was what's more amazing, that fireworks display last night or the fact that the Phillies are playing like they're having fun against Milwaukee and St. Louis, the two contending teams for a playoff spot. I can't believe I'm saying this. With a center fielder playing third base, and you just mentioned the batting average. Three starters are hitting below 170. It's incredible. You know, you, you lose a starter. The bullpen shows up maybe once every two or three games. Now they're starting to be more consistent. Ten strikeouts. Unbelievable. You just mentioned that, too. By the way, I didn't realize St. Louis Cardinals, which is obviously one of the great drafting baseball teams in the history of the game, it's like a Mets game. There's, like, so many Met, uh, St. Louis fans out there. But, you know, questions I had were, and I would have lost money cuz the Cardinals were a 1-145. One, I would have bet
3: anything starter. on the Cardinals. I you know, I'm I'm just being honest, I would not have bet Bailey Falter against Mikolas in that game. No, no way. No, no guys, way.
5: You know, and also the analytics, you know, would have had Raul come up late in the inning with a man in scoring position, righty versus lefty, and they let Stubbs hit and that worked out. But it's just incredible how this team is really playing with with like they're trying to have fun. God bless them. Who knows what's going to happen. They just don't have enough if they don't get Harper back. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. And hey, Jody, you're a big baseball guy too, and Glenn, you're amazing. But, and I usually don't do this because you know I'm very critical of Philadelphia sports and the way they drafted over the years. But, you know, guys, there's over 100 numbers that you can retire. And I was looking at these numbers, and when I see Matt Veerling wear number 19, and I wear C-Stout wearing number 5, you know, if I told you the Phillies could pick up three players tomorrow – that would play ten years in Philadelphia, would average thirty home runs and ninety RBIs, and both of these players would get us a ring. Would it be so terrible to retire number nineteen for Lazinski and number five for Pat Burrell? Would
3: I, wouldn't do not. I would not do that. I would have to be a I, whole I, I would, I would to retire not. A number. What are your thoughts? Uh, and thanks for the call, Rick. Um, you and I don't know who we ever talked about this over all the years we worked. I believe that. Rollins, Utley, and Howard's numbers should be retired from that team, which is a lot. I'm certainly not going Burl Hamels is kind of close, but close not. Um, you grew up in New York, Jody, where the Yankees have retired half the numbers between 1 and 60. What's your thoughts? Yeah.
2: Um, I, I don't want to let someone else make this decision for me, but I'm going to use it as a baseline to me, for me, to get the consideration of your number being retired, you have to be a legitimate Hall of Fame candidate. If you make the Hall of Fame, and a good chunk, if not all of your career was spent here in Philadelphia, and the team doesn't retire your number, what the heck are they thinking? That's just ridiculous. You've achieved that level of status within the game. Your team should acknowledge you and should retire your number. But you got to be that kind of close. The Pad- Burl is, is one and done. His name pops up on the Hall of Fame vote, and he's out after a year because he didn't get 5% of the vote. No, he was part of a championship team. No, he's not a retired number candidate. Mm-hmm. And I know Burrell is still part of the Philly family and the barbecue down at the ballpark and everything. No, he's yeah. one and done. He shows up on the Hall of Fame ballot, and then he doesn't have a second year. That's the level that you would have to... Now, you pointed out the Yankees. They have those kind of players.
3: Yeah, Paul O'Neill's number is... Reti- well, they have great players, but they also... They retired like Paul O'Neill's number. And I, he, Paul O'Neill's wasn't... He was a really good player, but not special the way you're defining it.
2: Right. And the other thing Paul O'Neill did was uh, he was part of three championships. Not one, three championships. Yep. Yeah. And that was a great run, and that's why... You're, right. If there's a guy you look at the list and go yeah maybe not. Paul O'Neill would be that guy for the very reason that you just stated, uh, but i I am a really tough I guess it would be greater as to where you're going to put the line for a guy to get his number retired. Uh, I think you need to hold it to very, very, very high standards.
3: Oh, well here's the tough call for the Phillies that they that they decided to retire. Would you have retired Roy Halliday?
2: Yeah, because he's a Hall of famer
3: but yeah and but again, I don't want to pass three and a it along, half years but... here, two good ones, two and a half good ones. Yeah,
2: I yeah I think he was here long enough. Okay.
3: All right. Not not a slam
2: dunk like Mike Schmidt, but he's a Hall of Famer who spent an important part of his career here in Philadelphia. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm okay with the retiring of uh all right.
3: So I don't believe Rollins, Utley, or Howard will make the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you think any of them will. I think Jimmy's got a shot. Okay. I would retire all three of those numbers. I don't want to see somebody else wearing Jimmy Rollins' number or number six or not. Utley. You you want to see a number twenty six on some utility infielder? I would
2: prefer not, but uh, and and some teams do this from time to time. They will unofficially retire somebody's number that they won't make it official, but it'll be well-known throughout the organization. We don't give this number. Not for spring training. Not when we've got uh, every number being occupied between 1 and 99 because we got minor league guys coming up. No, this number never sees the field. And then you have a period of time, be it 20 years, 25 years, so that guys who are big-time fans of those players maybe are no longer rooting for the Phillies, and we know the reason why they wouldn't be that you may be able to issue it back in. Uh, I I don't want to see anyone wearing their numbers. Let's put it in my lifetime or your lifetime, because we would fall into the group that I'm referring to.
3: Yeah, I think the Eagles, if I am correct, the Eagles never officially retired Randall's. I'm going to football for a second, but just. I think it's a a fair comparison. Sure. Eagles have never retired number 12, but I don't think anybody's worn it since Randall same exact
2: uh, way to handle it, and football is a whole different conversation because you got 50, you got a 53-man yeah. roster as right. compared to a 25, so it makes it more difficult, uh, and you need to be a little bit more judicious about it, but that's how I would handle it. If they retire him, you're not going to hear me say, what the hell are they thinking about? It? No, it's fine. It's their business, um, but I, I would just put them all in mothballs for me if uh, the Phillies asked me how I'd handle it.
3: 215 592 94 94. We got through this segment without talking about what I thought we'd end up talking about, which is the Sixers made some moves as the draft and free agency took place this last week. We will do that coming up along with Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now. Saturday morning on 94 WIP. 20 seconds to go.
6: Embiid
4: posting up. Tucker bodies him. Okay. They're going to have to change their comportment
3: real quick. Well, Jody, they changed their comportment. And if you can't beat them, sign them. Uh, the big story of the week, the Sixers drafting free agency and Uh, What'd they do, Judy? They revamp, retool? They added depth?
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect, impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink
7: Podcast all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast Now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
1: Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game tip where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play.
3: Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission. I guess that's the fair way to say it, right? They added some depth.
2: I'll go so far as to use the word upgraded.
3: Okay. upgrades
2: nice. Did they hit the ball out of the park? Did they lock themselves in as a NBA title contender? I'm not going that far, but uh, to this point, before we ever get to the Kevin Durant conversation, uh, I would say, yes, the Sixers upgraded, which is certainly better than going backwards and also an improvement over standing still. I'm a Tucker fan, and I have been for, oh, shoot, it seems like two decades. That's how long he's been in the NBA. And he checks a lot of the boxes as to what this team needs going forward. A three-year contract for a guy who's sneaking up on 37? Yeah, yeah that, well, that's... You that question that a little bit, but they're in it to win it this
3: year. All right, so let me let me go through the deals. They, as you just say, they signed P.J. Tucker, who has beat them before with the Heat. Three-year deal, 33 mil. It's a high price, uh, nine point five million this year. And yes, uh, this deal ends. He's going to be pushing forty years old. He's a free agent. You overpay when it's free agent. Uh, Average seven point six points, five point five rebounds last year. But he brings you other. He brings you skills that don't always show up in the stat sheet. He is a physical presence on defense. He can guard a lot of positions. We just saw how well he played against the Sixers in the playoffs. Uh, they had Daniel House, which everybody will spell wrong, and Trevlin Queen, who is really fair to say Queen's a developmental guy. Uh, and and Doc Rivers has never had patience in developing guys. He's Doc's big on those regular season wins. And what it says to me is what I think you were just implying, which is the Sixers' window to win with Joel Embiid and James Harden is is now. And so if it took a three-year contract with Tucker – to kind of make the most of this short window, they'll they'll take the, the bad year at the back end of the deal. They have had zero—I believe this is correct. Yeah, I know this is correct. Zero second-round series wins since 2001. The fan base is tired of it. I'm sure management is tired of it. Let's make a deal—speaking specifically, the Tucker deal— that's at least going to try to get us past the second round. That is my read. Don't know if you see it any differently. I do. And
2: your uh, stating of the uh, history and the facts is right on. And I always annoyed the process servers who yeah. believed that Sam uh, Mickey did what he did. Yeah, they love both of us. <laughs> they have not gotten past where Doug Collins got them. Yeah. Doug Collins got them to a seventh game of round number two, and that's how far the post-process Sixers have gotten. So that doesn't say a whole heck of a lot as to how it's worked out. Um, yeah, that they're taking their opportunity as a team that's got pieces – And, oh, by the way, Celtics got better yesterday with the Malcolm Brogdon trade. Giannis is still going to play for the Bucs next year, which is a major issue because there's not a player in the league that can stop Giannis. Uh, So it's an uphill climb, but you'd rather them make it than just stall out where they were at. I give Daryl Morey credit. And here's my one question, Glenn. And I tweeted out a bunch of this, and uh, we we knew we it was speculated that it was coming during the early part of the week when I was here on WIP at nights. Um, James Harden did him a real solid by opting out and at least reportedly agreeing to a contract that will be less than what he could. 47 and change million. Rumors are he's going to sign somewhere in the mid-30s, and it'll only advance the percentage-wise that it can each year thereafter. He and Daryl Morey do have a, a very good relationship, and apparently he's doing the right thing that he thinks for the 76ers. If he had taken the 47 and then gone free agent next year, could he have made more over time? We'll never know. But why hasn't that been announced yet over the last deal? Yeah, the last 48 hours since free agency started, there's been about 172 transactions in the NBA. And one of them isn't that James Harden has re-signed with the 76ers for X amount of dollars and X amount of years. Uh, No, we've got uh, uh, Mr. Pompey coming up later. Maybe he'll have insight to this. I'm just a little nervous as to why this hasn't been announced
3: yet. Uh, I don't know. And it is a fair question. We'll talk to Keith Pompey of The Inquirer at noon. Uh, Ray Dinger is going to join us. Jody, Ray called me this week. He wants to do a movie review. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, so he loved. Well, I don't even want to give it away, but he he saw a movie he really liked. Um, I don't know the answer to your question. And the premise is fascinating to me, which is, that James Harden, to be honest, I did not expect that James Harden was going to be the guy to take less money to help build the team. And you got Me to neither. respect that, right? Yep. Okay, so here's the cynic, and I'm not the first to suggest this. Is it James Harden, philanthropist and great human being? Or is it James Harden, smart businessman? Because we all know his skills are eroding. I mean, we certainly saw that after he came here and during the playoffs. Um, he gets most likely, at least what has been reported, a three-year deal out of this for less money per year. But he ain't—he's not going to have to switch to cheap cigars and scotch. I mean, he's—he's no. going to end up with <laughs> what a hundred plus million dollars for those three years. So maybe it was the smart financial move for him: take less upfront and get a bigger deal, get a longer deal.
2: Right, and uh, Keith Pompey is a very good NBA insider. I know a, a bunch of them. I had one on my uh, CBS show last night, Matt Moore from The Athletic, and I, I have opinions on all these NBA guys who get inside information. And Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report's is a pretty good one. I've had Jake on mm-hmm. as a guest before. He's pretty well tied in. Last week he said it looks like Harden's going to opt in and sign a two-year extension at max dollars, so look for about a three-year, $150 million deal. Well, if he's only going to get mid-30s, you can only increase by 8% every year. Yeah, we're looking at about three years, $100 million. Mm-hmm. That's a $50 million difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. not choke change here we're talking about. If that's what his deal ends up being as to, and again, it was only a report, but it was reported it could be upwards of 150 million. <laughs> i got to give him props. Uh, the, the, again, you're right in that we're not going to start a GoFundMe page for him. Not necessary, but I think he did a real solid by the 76ers.
3: Could they? I, I, the, the NBA, and, and I'm sorry to be ignorant on this. I apologize for that. But the NBA salary cap rules and are so complex to me. I was learning yesterday that you can't trade certain guys for certain guys. Yep. But the Sixers have just said, "All right, well, look, we'll take you. You know, if you if you want to opt in for this year, we'll pay you that, and then we'll just say goodbye. See ya.
2: They could have, but then uh, Harden might not have opted in. He might have opted out and said, "Oh yeah, I'll go elsewhere." And then you don't have the money to replace him because you're already a cap team with Embiid making what he's making
3: and Tobias making oh, what he's making. That. Yeah, I. So it's so confounding that, you, that how how limiting it is. Are you better off with James Harden for three years or or with James Harden for no years? That's what it came down to. Right, and and that's what I'm asking you. And
2: you, as an objective observer, can have an opinion on that, but the only one whose opinion matters is Daryl Morey because he's the one who's going to make that call, and I do believe that Daryl Morey has a higher evaluation of James Harden than John Ku Public Sixer fan has. So even though we may think one thing – the guy who's going to make the official call thinks another, and I don't even know that he can separate himself from his overall beliefs and his rooting interests and the fact that he's got a relationship with James Harden.
3: Yeah, and as you suggested, you're over a barrel because if you just say goodbye to him, you're still you're screwed not against the salary him. cap and yeah. you can't replace him. And, and the one thing that you can't sell the fans is – well, we're losing James Harden, and we're getting nothing, and now we're not even going to get past the first round of the playoffs. So, hey, buy your season tickets. So, yeah, they're, 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 they're between a rock and a hard place. And, and, I listen, I'll praise Harden more than criticize him in this. I, I, uh, as you said, there's not going to be a GoFundMe page. I will not nominate him for the Nobel Peace Prize for his uh, magnanimity here. But I will, I will praise him that it gave them the opportunity to do something uh, and and I do think they are better than they were. Uh, you remember when Rich Kotite coached the Eagles, Jody? I think you and I were working together Correct. in those days. And Rich Kotite brought in every former Jet he could find. A lot of guys you rooted for growing up. Yes. Uh, they all they all switched the color green from, from the Jets green to the Eagles green. Well, Darryl Morey's kind of replaying those hits from Houston, right? Oh, with yeah. T- with Tucker and House and Harden and, and uh, DeAnthony Melton, who we haven't talked about. That stuff always worries me. Whenever you try to get the band back together like that, it just that's that's a tough one. And oh, by
2: the way, the Rockets were good, but I don't see their championship banner hanging anywhere either. No, it isn't only like with a one, right? Right. You're you're going to the Warriors and trying to pick guys off that team. Have uh, won four championships in X amount of years, eight years. Uh, no, the Rockets had some playoff success, never even made it to an NBA final. So that isn't the team that you pick out and go. Oh, we've got to get as many of these X players as we used to. Kind of like go tighten the Jets. Yeah, the Jets. That's what deadly squad. But uh, he he did uh, bring in a. Do co- you don't remember the Ken O'Brien quarterback? Oh, Diego I sure era do. Fondly? Yeah, no. Oh, that,
3: okay. Oh, I remember it. It was Ken O'Brien, and then there was the other quarterback that they picked up, uh, who was a carpenter when oh, the Matt year, Ryan, Matt oh, Ryan, both. Pat yes. Ryan, Not Matt. I Pat wish it was Ryan. Matt Ryan. Pat Ryan, the year everybody got hurt. Yeah, they, <laughs> Pat Ryan. All right. Uh, just real quick, we still have to get to this, which is the biggest dream of all. Which is Kevin Durant has requested a trade off the Brooklyn Nets. God, what's it's it's gonna be his third team in four years. He's he's he is I saw this is not my original line, so I won't take credit. He's the Larry Brown of NBA players. A little bit. Yeah. Um reportedly the top of his list is the Phoenix Suns, the Miami Heat. I don't know that they're gonna be able to do it. I don't know. Uh first off, ha 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 to the Brooklyn Nets and Ben Simmons. Uh does not bother me that they are a mess. I saw the odds come out. You and I um I think get the same odds from Bovada every couple of days in our email. Um that listed the Sixers as twelve to one to get Kevin Durant, which puts them three, six, eighth among the favorites, with Phoenix and Miami uh being one two. Got a shot? Is it, yeah. Is it a pipe dream?
2: It's it's a long shot, but it's a shot. It's not a zero percenter. Um, if you put Tobias Harris, who's going to be the guy who's going to make the money work, and you got to get close enough to be able to get it done, uh, there are other players making more money that do less than Tobias Harris in the league. Not a lot of them, but there are some. Uh, So Tobias is one of those legitimate guys who could be included in a trade who you're going to play and have as part of your team going forward, Nets, or anybody else where they would trade him. Uh, He's not a needle mover, but he's not a guy who you look at as a deficit. Oh, we have to put him in a deal to make the money work. So he's unique in that spot as per his talent in the league right now. Tyrese Maxey's got to be the key guy. Nobody wants to see Tyrese Maxey playing anywhere but Philadelphia, but if you want... Arguably, the best player in the NBA, as big a dV as he may be, that's what you got to do. You got to give up a player as good as Maxi. So when you start with Harris and Maxi and add to it, the biggest reason why it's the the Sixers are down on that list, Glenn, is they don't have control of their own draft picks.
3: Yeah, they've
2: moved enough of them that you can't trade two years in a row. So they don't have the draft assets to make that type of a deal. But if you're talking about Maxi and Harris and Thibodeau, at least you're in the conversation. I think there'll be someone who will offer more. I don't think the Sixers will get him, but it isn't like oh they got no shot whatsoever. Long shot. I think the odds are actually pretty accurate. There are five or six teams that are probably better positioned right now to get Kevin Garnett.
3: Yeah, it's 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 Tobias Harris, it's Maxi, it's it's every draft pick you can trade, which you know every every other year for the next ten years. Um, and I think the longer it takes, the better shot they have. Because Daryl Morey is the kind who who kind of waits in the wings. Uh, and if other teams just have a tough time making the deal, then maybe the Sixers do it for everything you said, thibel as well. I think it's really slim. Um, I would hate to see Tyrese Maxey go just because I think, like most Philadelphia fans, I've fallen in love with the guy. He's sure. just such a energetic fun likable guy with a great upside but i can't argue that you know wherever kevin durant goes he, he changes the dynamic i'm talking about of the whole conference um even he's what 33 now something like that but right. you, if you put him on the mix here they are certainly conference favorites um and as much as i would hate trading maxi it's their best chance to win a title the deals they made the other day are designed to win now. I don't know how, you know, long Joel Embiid's window is, but to me it's it's always kind of year to year. So as much as I would hate the 21-year-old who the city loves for the 33-year-old who a year after that could say, like, you know, I want to go somewhere else, you would have to do it. I don't know that Durant has any interest here. As we said, Phoenix and Miami are the places that he's talked about. Um I think it would take a while, but, uh, you know, uh, you know Maury waited out when he traded Simmons. That's the great example of his patience. Right. When everybody said, come on, do it, do this, do that, throw in Maxie. And he didn't, and he ended up getting, well, I don't know if it was a great deal, but he ended up getting the best deal he could. So, yeah, I guess it makes sense. You know? And he,
2: here's one of the reasons why I still give the Sixers a, a puncher's chance in this. Not a great one, but a chance. The story breaks the other day, and no one saw this coming. It comes out of left field. Durant has gone directly to the owner of the Nets and stating he doesn't want to be there anymore. And it is the empowerment of players' age in the NBA, more so than any of the other sports. It's certainly in other sports as well, but the NBA more so than uh, any others. Um and one of the first things that is reported and everybody goes scrambling for inside info and off the record comments and the like, one of the first things that comes out is, and the nets will trade him to the team that gives him the best package. In other words, We're going to trade Durant. We don't want to trade Durant. We're kind of taken aback by the fact that he's demanded this trade, but we're not going to just kowtow and trade him to his place of choice if they're going to undersell us on what we're going to get back in return. Um, a lot of times players can do that too. dictate not only uh, well, Harden did it with the net with the Nets last mm-hmm. year. He didn't want to play for Houston anymore. Oh, by the way, I want to uh, I'll accept Philadelphia, but my number one choice is to go play with Kyrie and KD. And boom, that worked out. So the player not only got to dictate that they were going to be dealt, but then also pick out exactly where they're going to go. The Nets got it out there pretty quick that they're going to trade him to where the deal is the best. And if the Sixer deal is the best, I think Durant would be willing to come here. I think he knows Philadelphia is a good spot. It's a good town. It's a pretty damn good team. The biggest hurdle might be that I did a spot in New York on the radio, so I talked to a, a net source that I have. It doesn't work there, but covers them on a day-in, day-out basis. He's got good ties to the organization. And he said, Jody, the reason why after Harden came to Philadelphia, they made the trade. Simmons went up there. I checked with my source, and he said "the uh, the problem wasn't, Irving and Harden, it was more Durant and Harden that those guys had fallen out of like with each other oh, and that no. they had issues with their practice habits and this, that, and the other thing. So there's going to have to be some mending of the fences between Harden and Durant if this trade is going to come down. But I think the Sixers' offer is going to be competitive with others. You just kind of touched on it. We'll get, uh, uh, yeah, Keith's uh, take on this. Because I didn't even know this rule, Glenn. I'm supposed to know this. The designated rookie rule
3: Yes. Yeah, you can only
2: have two guys on that fifth-year, second contract. I'd never heard of this before, and I follow the NBA, and this was news to me, so we get Pompey to explain it to us.
3: You know how sports has just kind of turned into math, Jody? A little bit. It's... (laughs) It's so so frustrating. Anyway, 215 592 We'd love to hear from you. We talked about the Phillies in the opening segment. Great win over uh, the Cardinals the other day. By the way, the caller brought up something I want to I ask about, which is um, why are there so many Cardinal fans everywhere? I don't get that. We'll talk about that, too. Uh, and we are talking about the Sixers, the moves they made and the move that they might make. 215 592 He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now. Hey, are you tired of dealing with your old drafting windows and doors in your house? Maybe it's time you finally go Guida. The great people at Guida Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door window you buy, you get a second one at of 50% off. And you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door. Get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door. You Get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, you can save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guide is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest refinancing for up to 18 months. Act Now offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply for full details. Call Guide today. Schedule a free, no obligation, in-home estimate at one 877 go or visit them at goguided.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow. Saturday morning, 94 WIP. Phil's 4, I think, 4.05 start, right, against the Cardinals today. There you go. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to talk to us. We'll get to uh, the calls in just a sec. But, Ray, the caller brought up something in the in the first segment that I have noticed, and I guess was an issue at the park last night, which is, it's always a lot of Cardinals fans when they come on the road. When the Mets play here, I expect to see Mets fans. I mean, there's Mets fans in New Jersey. It's an easy drive if you want to come down from New York. Um, that that makes sense to me. Cardinal fans? What? What? That St. Louis is what 1,200 miles away. Understood.
2: Uh, and you scared me there for a second because you what? said Ray. I thought maybe. Oh, I'm sorry. The, I you thought know, it was the segment that no, going to come on I, and give I us uh, well, what we're watching. I'm going. Did, did I just get uh, back here and not have my headset on? Yeah, uh, should I say hi to Ray? It's 21 it, I
3: years, it. Jody. It's going to happen every once in a while.
2: And I'm going to pimp you for it every yeah. time you do. And I, I With a smile on my I'll face. I tell you the time you I called my it.
3: wife by the wrong name when we were yeah yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not good. good. <laughs> if you do this long enough, yeah, you're going to uh, deal yeah. with it. I've had hey, I remember partners. I was with you one time, and you're like giving out phone numbers. I'm going to like, what? What Which, what the night station you work it? for that? <laughs> <laughs> We've
2: all been there and done that, so uh, we do we do yes. it with a, a laugh in our voice. Um, no, the Cardinals are a national team. They have been, and they have been for a long time. A, they've been successful. B, they've had some very good players, a Hall of Fame level type guys. Uh, so you're going to get your fans that live somewhere other than St. Louis, not a hometown fan, want to be a contrarian. Cardinals are as good a team as any to latch on to because they go to a lot of World Series. If you're anti-Yankee, it's it's the Yankees in the American in the American League, and the Cardinals have been the most successful team over over the courts of decades, if not uh, centuries, uh, so I get it. It's, it doesn't doesn't bother me. Uh, that's uh, good on on their fan base that they uh, do travel well yeah. and they
3: do have fans in other towns. Nah. It's my least favorite team in the National League. Well, that's why? not true. I mean, the Mets, I guess, because they're the Mets. Um, because you know why? And I suppose this is going to be petty when Scott Rowland went there. And described it as baseball heaven. And I do believe, having met St. Louis fans, having been to that town, that ballpark, uh, having a few friends from that part of the country who are, I think that St. Louis thinks of itself as baseball paradise. And my answer is, yeah, well, bleep you. (laughs) Which I realize, Jody, is is very small-minded and petty of me. Mm Mm-hmm but our, our emotions are what they are.
2: Uh, how much do you think Roland plays into that? Did you feel that way before Scott Roland said what he said?
3: No, I. but I think it's because I was not aware that St. Louis viewed itself as this exemplary town where we know more and our fans are more appreciative. And, and, and part of it I know is because I have a couple of friends who said, oh, Philadelphia, you're fan. Oh Santa Claus! We're we're not that type. So it's it's partly yeah, see, rolling, partly my friend.
2: He, here's here's where uh, yeah, I got to tell you, you're coming off a bit as a snob. Oh yeah. Everybody thinks that about Philadelphia. It's not just St. Louis. Colorado fans feel that way about Philadelphia. Chicago fans feel that way about Philadelphia.
3: Yeah, but Arizona fans feel that way about. Nobody, Arizona. Ever, described, about nobody Arizona. ever described Arizona as baseball heaven.
2: Well, no, but you, you said the big part of it was that the fan base looks down at Philadelphia. Everybody's fan base looks down at Philadelphia because of stupid Santa Claus and uh, and J.D. Drew actually went there and played for the Cardinals for a good period of time. So the whole battery thing comes back up again. I I don't single out oh, St. Louis.
3: Yeah, I left out J.D. Drew. Excuse me. That's a, yeah, you that's that's a can big put part that, of my argument. Yes.
2: You can put that into the mix, too. Here's the reason why I'm not on the same page with you And La Russa.
3: Hated La Russa. Uh,
2: yeah, and oh my God, uh, him walking guys with uh, two two strikes on a batter. I, I I did not like that idea with the White Sox uh, two years ago when they decided to bring him out of mothballs to run mm-hmm. the team, but I want to get off on a Lou Russo tangent. Here's where, and it's all personal, and you, you're taking it personally and have a personal look at it. I do too. My father went to St. Louis, and he won a World Series in Oh, St. well, Louis. okay, sure. And he really enjoyed his time there. And said it was a great town with a great fan base to work with and he had the ultimate championship uh success and winning a championship on a parade and everything else. So yes, my, my the the prism that I see it through is yeah, they are kind of what they're cracked up to
3: be. He's got a ring. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I suppose if I had a ring I'd view it differently. Yes. But you know, okay. Anyway, I hate that. I hate that city and that fan base and My Fred Todd Hopkins, if you're listening from St. Louis, that one was for you. Uh, Let us go to uh, Neil of the Northeast. Good baseball, man. What's going on, Neil? Yeah,
8: it's interesting your point of view because, you know, St. Louis, they won, you know, like 10 World Series title. You know, I think of when they had Carlton and Gibson and Lowell you know, like in the 60s. And, no, no, Lolis was and, on
3: Detroit, but they had Carlton yeah. and, and and well, well. Gibson and Carlton, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, oh yeah,
8: and and, and you know Red Canes like for years oh, as the manager, and and I guess Pulhos and Xavier Medliner and and Wayne White, but how they drafted and getting you know like sort of mid market getting free three million people, but. I, I could understand being bitter about Scott Rowland and Baseball having no doubt about. Well, I didn't that. describe
3: myself as bitter, but you did, and I. It's probably a word I can't really dispute too much. So there you go. It's personal, Neil. You, there has to be teams or fan bases that you just don't like just because you don't, right? Well, to be honest,
8: I'm I'm not a Yankees fan. You know, like because after 27, like World Series, and you know the the, the money that they put up with the YES Network. And, you know, to, to buy titles and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just commit to, like, A-Rod. And, you know, it'd be interesting. Jody, do you think it's a given, you know, like after that Aaron Judge is back with the Yankees, or you don't think it's a given?
2: It's damn close to it. Oh, You want me maybe, to set, want me set a percentage? 90, 90% chance he's back with the Yankees. 10% he's somewhere else.
8: Yeah. Well, about the Phillies going forward, I, I think – You know, Hall's definitely a big addition, and, you know, know, Nick really has to start hitting, you know. But I'm hoping, you know, so far Reese has got hot the last couple games, and actually the bullpen's doing a decent job. Maybe um, positions are better, like, you know, under... Thompson, you know, Mm -hmm. he has them, you know, like ready for the position. That's what
3: Jody Jody opened up with, which is the bullpen pitched really well last night and has been doing better. And you give the manager credit for saying, okay, it's not just going to be Corey Kniebel in the ninth inning. We're going to move guys around. And it's been working. So, yeah. Wanted
2: to add this on the Phillies uh, mix, Glenn. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you you talk about putting the blinders on as a Phillies fan. Um, This is what uh, passed through my mind last night. Did you see Castellanos loaf down the first base on the ball that fell in last night? Sure, I did. Yeah, not good. Nope. But within a couple of pitches, he does an absolute perfect read on the pitcher takes off, steals second base, no throw even necessary because he had already stolen it. I, 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 And this is, again, probably cockeyed optimism from a Phillies fan. Uh, I was hoping that woke him up that he had screwed up and he knew he screwed up and that he said, I got to get the second base to try and like make up for the fact that I lollygagged it down the line, which, oh, by the way, he would have been good with uh, Tony Larusa because the White Sox have decided they're not going to really. Yeah, that's an odd thing that
3: that they're doing. It's an odd thing that they kind of, that it got to be known. He
2: came right out and said it. It wasn't like it leaked out either. He's he's sitting in front of the accrued media and goes, oh, by the way, Guys, you write this if you want to. But let me tell you ahead of time, we're directing our players to not run hard on routine ground balls. Uh, so, yeah, that's what happened to Castellanos last night. So, if he starts to get hot, if he I, – I don't think he's the type of player that needed that self-motivation kick in the rear end. But if it happens, I'm going to get very happy about it, that it plays out that well because they desperately need him to pick it up. Yeah, that's trying to find a uh, silver lining on a pretty bad play last night, but I did think along those lines.
3: All right, last thing I want to say about the fan bases because you, you've always been a more rational, level-headed sports fan than I have. You You tend not to carry grudges, I believe, as I do. You look at things less – passionately and more rationally. Is that a fair statement? That's fair enough, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Other than rivals, right? We all have the, like, you know, I hate the Cowboys. People in this town hate the Giants. I mean, it's, it's what we do, right? That, that's expected. That's part of the thing. Are there any teams, Jody Mack, in any of the four major sports, which are not your team's rivals, but you just don't like them? No. No. <laughs> no, plain and simple. No, yeah. that I
2: that and I'm I'm hoping I'm understanding your question the way you're asking it. That it's part of what you're you're looking for is it's somewhat irrational that you shouldn't despise them, you shouldn't hate them. You shouldn't well, there's no great reason
3: them, that they're good. It, it it's not. You know, again, you're you're an Eagles fan. You're going to dislike the teams in the in the NFC East, right? It's that there are the teams right, rivalries, are built rivalries, right? right a rivalry is sure. a rivalry, but a team that's not a rival, but you just don't like them. Because the Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals have always been that for me. I always root for them to lose. Always. Yeah, no. For all yeah. the reasons stated, from J.D. Drew and Tony La Russa and Scott Rowland and the baseball heaven and all that load of p- horse pucky that I just can't stand them.
2: No, not, I don't have a team like nothing, that. Not one. No. Not off the top of my head that I can come up with and go, yeah, when they beat in the one year where my team advanced and they beat us in the championship round and we don't have a rivalry with them, but God, they acted like entitled idiots. No, I can't come up with one off the top of my head. Okay. Well, there you go.
3: <laughs> I'll throw that in the mix. I'm just, yeah, I, if I don't think I'm the only one it. that feels that way, but maybe I am. No,
2: no, 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 no. You got company.
3: I can guarantee you you got company. All right. If you are uh, one of those people who who likes to view sports with a degree of irrational hatred, let us know. 215-592-9494. We've got uh, some good conversation about the Phillies. And your Philadelphia 76ers will throw the Eagles into the mix. Coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, we will talk to Ray Dinscher. I may call him Jody, it's possible, but we will talk to him. Ray's got a film review that he wants to do. Called me, said he's got to review this movie he loved. At noon, Keith Pompey joins us from the Inquirer to talk some hoops. But we do want to hear from you. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mac, now 94 WIP. Along with Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mac now, Saturday morning, 94, WIP. Let's talk to uh, Chris, see what he's got to say today. Hello, Chris.
9: Mac and Mac, fantastic. I'm Thank fantastic.
3: you, I hope You guys are having
9: a wonderful holiday weekend. i um, too. I get to go see my grandkids tomorrow. Yay. Nice. Anyway, you guys were talking about Scott Rowland. I think this, in, in baseball heaven... Uh, Scott Rowland was a Midwestern guy. He was from rural Indiana, and he just didn't like it here. And you go to a place like St. Louis, where the fans are so much different than Philly fans. They're supportive. They don't boo. You know, uh, they're not. I guess. I mean, I'm, I've never been there uh, in, in the media, but I, they don't. You know, get on their players like oh, very
3: gentle media, very, very gentle media.
9: Yeah. So I think that's why he called it baseball heaven. You know, and uh, you know, I find it difficult to, to, to hate. An organization that is so well done, like, you know, I don't hate the Braves. I hate the Mets, but I don't hate the Braves. I admire the Braves. I admire St. Louis. Why was St. Louis able to get Arenado and Goldschmidt? Because they have the resources to get them, you know? That's that's two separate things.
3: Well, hold on. Let Let me interject here. I respect them, but I have no affection for them. You so I, I appreciate that you respect excellence. Sure, I'm assuming along with that you respect the Yankees and you respect the Patriots and all of these teams are, are teams that you that you like and enjoy and appreciate. I choose not to.
9: That's good. <laughs> I, I I don't find that hatred within me. I, actually, I was um, you know I was pulling for the Braves to win the World Series last year. I you know it was fun to watch them for a month. You know, when my team's out. You know, anyway. anyway. For the
3: Celtics this year too. No, no, I hate Celtics. Okay. No, hate Celtics, you know. trying to, the, the, trying the, to get they, the pulse here. Yeah,
2: they they're pretty good too. If yeah. uh competency guides your rooting interests, you should have been on the Celtics in the NBA final.
6: No,
9: I'm just saying I don't hate the Cardinals, I don't hate the Braves, but, the, but those natural rivals, you know, those geographical rivals, sure. Okay. You know, well. there's a bit of that. So last you know, time Clark, I, this, last
2: time I checked Braves are in the Phillies
3: division.
9: Well, but you know, they're not New York.
3: You know? All right, uh, that's fine. However you draw the line is how you draw the line, so that, yeah. that's fine. What else did you have? John Crook
9: said something during the broadcast last night in, in that inning that they tied the game. It was a beautiful thing the way they tied that game. They took advantage of another team's rare error, Arenado, making uh, you know just a boot like that, mm-hmm. and they took advantage. They played solid, great, fundamental offensive baseball that inning. They moved runners. They scored runners with less than two outs twice, you know? And they got that game tied. And then they won the game with a long ball. You know, until the Phillies, and Crux said, imagine what the Phillies would be like if they could mix in that kind of baseball on occasion, along with their power and their bob."
6: Yeah, that's a good point. That's
9: that's what's got to happen, you know? I mean, this is what the Phillies have been the last several years. If they don't hit, you know, three home runs in a game, they don't score, right? Four home runs, they don't score. So they've got to get to the place where they can – Manufacturer runs it and plays good, solid, fundamental offensive baseball when they when they have to. You know that was down at the bottom of the lineup basically, and then you know, then then um, Schwerber and, and Hoskins got them home with, yeah. you know, with without. Chris, I mean, you without make a very
3: private. salient point, which uh, almost overcomes your uh, respect yeah. and appreciation of teams like the Braves. So I think you pretty much broke even there.
9: One more little thing, please, if you will. If sure, are we going to have to deal with Tyrese Maxey being traded? every season, because I am not for it at all. I <laughs> no, don't want to no no, 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 oh, no, yeah. no, no.
2: This is a very specialized situation. A top 10 all-time NBA player, and he might be 12th or 13th. Don't quit. Top, you want me to draw the line at uh, top? First ballot Hall of Famer. No there you go. Yeah. When someone like that becomes available and or is desperately trying to talk his way out of the team that he's playing for, that's when Tyrese Maxey's name is legitimately brought up. Every year because they need to change No, that's not gonna happen. You don't have to sweat this this is a very special situation we're talking about. All
3: right, a couple of things off of what he said. Uh one, he and he mentioned John Crook. Uh he mentioned John Crook in making an observation about uh the game itself. I think John Crook, by the way, is getting better and better as a Phillies broadcaster. Um I was not the biggest John Kruk fan when he started. In fact, I wasn't really that big of a John Kruk fan last year. When the Phillies were bad, I felt like he kind of was whining that he wanted to go home, um, which is not what I want from my my color guy. But I think he's he's having a great year, and and it includes both his baseball acumen and And just his story, he was telling a story yesterday about the guy, the shotgun wedding and all that. He's phenomenal,
2: Jody. He's flippant. He's cynical from time to time. Oh, he's that. Some people don't like that. Apparently, you and I do because I just love listening to Kruk. I didn't have as big a problem as you did last year. That's Kruk. It's Kruk being Kruk, and he's being honest with you. And, oh, by the way, Ye can put the Homer hat on anytime he wants. That's what I love about Kruk. He kind of transitions from one to the other seamlessly. He can be the homer, or after he hits me, go ahead, home run here, Tom, which the guy's got no home runs whatsoever, but he's projecting because yeah. he's root, root, root for the home team if they don't win, it's a shame. And then before you know it, he's taking pot shots at the team because they're not doing what they can do or, or yeah, be can be. he can be, be, he can be honest. I agree. He, he is. I like that. yeah, That's I like why that. he's
3: phenomenal at what yeah. he does. Yeah, he's he's really good. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say, and and you brought up the Castellanos stolen base yesterday, Um. Listen, this is not a team built to win a small ball. I don't know that anybody does that anymore in baseball. That's kind of fallen aside. But do you get a feeling they're more aggressive on the base paths now with the new manager, that, that Rob Thompson? They seem to be stealing more bases to me. Slightly, they, they actually were more aggressive
2: under Girardi than I thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to be stationary station like you read about and wait for that three-run homer to happen. Uh, Girardi was not afraid to put the steal sign on, and the players uh, a lot of times make the decision on their own. Has it ticked up slightly more under Thompson? Yeah, probably. But I don't think there's this drastic
3: change that Thompson's coming in and saying, damn it, we're going to run. We're going to steal bases. Well, they're not. They're not the 79 A's, but uh, OK, all right. Maybe maybe you uh, tick up. I'll, I'll settle for ticked up a little bit because Agreed. I see a
2: l- little bit. Let me let me get this out there because you made me work during the break. I went to all the teams in professional sports and said, do I have a team that fits this <laughs> question that Mac now is asking me? Come on, you got to hate somebody. And the truthful answer is no. But oh. if you said, Jody, pick one, you know, I, I could give you 40 guesses. How many teams are there? Uh, four sports,
3: 30. About a 120, 120,
2: right? Yeah, I, 60. You could take half of the field, <laughs> okay. and I bet you wouldn't come up with the uh, give team.
3: Me, give me the sport. Football. Football. Uh, Jody hates the Rams. No. But you're in I'm the right gonna, conference. I'm going to take three guesses. Jody hates the, the Seattle Seahawks. In- incorrect. All right. One more. Jody hates the Bears. Now you're at least in the right division. Packers? No. Uh, go, go ahead. I, I can keep <laughs> going here. Who? The Detroit Lions. <laughs> why? Because they've broken your heart so many times. Why? No. They're terrible.
2: They are, and that's why it doesn't make sense to me. Why the hell do I hate the it's Lions? Harmless.
3: You're. you They're. They're the kittens. They're, they.
2: They're... <laughs> they kind of are, but, and it might be as petty as this. They don't deserve to play on Thanksgiving and I'm stuck watching ah, that stupid football team every Thanksgiving, and they stink, and their games stink, <laughs> and you have to watch it every Thanksgiving. Yeah. Another one that I would kind of tie yeah, in a, is. Wait, hold on, because I love that. That's a
3: great reason. That's a really good reason to damn, hate them, because yeah. we watch football on Thanksgiving. They're usually the early game, although they switch that around a little bit. And, yeah, it's like, oh, what do we got? Oh, we got the you know the Lions against the Titans. Oh, whoop-de-doo. It's right. a good and, one.
2: The other reason is, and this is kind of like your Scott Rowland thing, it's personal and it's petty, um, Barry Sanders, great back. Oh, my, oh my God. He, he he played the game like nobody else, blah, 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 blah. But he was in the NFL the same time as Emmitt Smith, who I was a big fan of. Mm-hmm. And everybody, 19 out of every 20 people, not even close, Barry Sanders, so much better than Emmitt Smith. Blah, blah. And I thought they were pretty damn close. People, because Barry Sanders would break off a 45-yard run, they look past the fact that he'd lose three or four yards, that he'd run around and go backwards and try and use his block. Emmett just went straight ahead, got first downs, got into the end zone. He'd always score more touchdowns than Barry Sanders. But because Barry Sanders had more highlight plays that they would show on SportsCenter, people would say, oh, of course, Barry's far and away the best back in the tremendous. NFL. No, it wasn't.
3: Oh, they, they were very close. I love your passion with this thing. <laughs> that that's 25 years after the fact, you're still. <laughs> Thirty, uh, but who's counting? Uh, so
2: yeah, you want you made me think about it. And so you, that's and what I with came a great up one. with. That's when just... the when the Eagles in the play, remember the year that they
3: beat them? What like Oh, 51 50 to, 50 50 to, to thirty four or something. And they yeah,
2: scored great. the touchdown right before half the yes. hell Mary pass Solomon. Is that I was one? I was throwing my hand in the air. Screw the line. Ah, the, way to go Eagles. Uh, the Rodney Pete game. It was yes. great. Yeah, that was another one. Rodney, it's one of those. And this is more of a Philly. And shame on me because I usually decry it about our fans here in town. Yeah, when you leave, you leave. You're out. You're out, Rodney. And Rodney Pete was a good guy. I always defended. I know I did this with you. I remember us taking this these calls. People got so annoyed at Rodney Pete because he would come off the field smiling. Yes. After
3: an incomplete pass. Yeah, he would have that weird grin. Yes. he was a precursor of McNabb that way. Right.
2: And that's just the way he reacts. It doesn't mean he's happy. Oh, that means he's happy through it. No. That's just the way he reacts to a bad play. And he's trying to almost not get mad about it. And people would be judging this off that now we at least have 60 inch television screens. Back then it was 20 inch television screens. That they knew exactly what Rodney Pete was thinking. And I defended Rodney Pete to the end of time because I didn't believe that. That was him, and that was the case. But as soon as he got on the Lions, screw Rodney Pete He may uh, go down with nine interception
3: games. This is this is a Jody Mack I always love. That's great. That's just great. Um, <laughs> the Lions. <laughs> Let's go to Jack in Santa Barbara. What's up, dude? Happy
6: fourth, guys.
3: Thank you. You too.
6: Yeah. Um, I love hearing you guys ham and egg it on
3: Saturday morning. You got it.
6: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh I, I told Kyle, yeah, I, I, I I'm vehement about Celtics hate.
3: <laughs> well, but that doesn't count. You that, that 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 goes with the territory, right? If there's if there's the natural rivals that you have to hate, Jody, help me out. It would be the Celtics, the Knicks, uh, Mets. I, I guess the Nets, right? The Mets. It, yeah. it would be it would be the Mets. I would think it would be the Braves. Uh it would be yeah. the, the other the, NFC East teams and it would be the the, the Devils, the weirdest, Rangers, Penguins. Yeah, the
2: weirdest thing is hockey because there's a bunch of them that are all pretty equivalent. Yeah. That there isn't one standout above the crowd. Uh you should have disdain for the Rangers, the Devils and the Penguins well, I don't like, pretty I don't much like, in equal numbers.
6: I I I don't I don't like anything that comes out of Texas. <laughs> all right. So well the so then state,
3: therefore that's nice. Right. Do you do you dislike the Mavericks? Does that mean anything to you? No, no, no.
6: I'll make an exception. I'll make no, an well, exception. That's,
3: okay. All right.
6: Yeah. No, you know what I'm talking about, Glenn. You, you know what part of Texas I'm talking about, The the same part that you di- detest.
3: Yeah, I got family there, so it's complicated, but yes.
6: I know, um, but you still, you, you detest Jerry Jones like I detest. Well, of course, but those uh, are the like expected de- ones.
3: Jack, the topic at hand is, is there a team that is not a rival, that there's really no great compelling reason, but you just despise them?
6: Uh, Let me think about that. No, no, I got to go with Jody on that. I don't think so.
2: Think uh, think about it. You'll come up with one. I came up with the Lions. At some point, you'll come up with one, Jack.
3: I love the Lions being here, and I love the Thanksgiving reason. was really the great reason. Uh, let's sneak in Chris here before the break. Hello, Chris. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's good to hear you both. Um, so first,
10: John Kruk is a national treasure. Um, my son listens, uh, has MLB pass, lives in South Carolina, mm-hmm. and asked me to text him every time John Kruk says something funny or crazy on the air. So we have a text thread that's hundreds of texts long just about John Cruck being John Kruk. Right. Nice. He was he was really good last night. Yeah, he had a story the other day of him driving by the ballpark one day, and he's like, "We have a day game today because he saw all these cars going in." So he goes charging into the uh, into the locker room, and there's a bunch of kids in the locker room, and it was a Carpenter Cup game. Day of the <laughs> night game. <laughs> it's good. Anyway, um, Castellanos. I mean, yeah, I hope that's something that wakes him up because it's not the first time he's he's loped to first base on a ball that. You know, was poked down the, uh, the, the line. And the last time he did it, nobody called him out on it. Hopefully this time somebody called him out on it. Um, and it's not going to happen again. You know, do I think it was him upsetting himself? And that's why he's going to second base on, on a steal. Perfect read of the pitcher. I hope so. I mean, I hope that that sense of life is coming to him because we absolutely need him to light things up if we're going to get there uh, yeah, no over the course of next month.
3: Yeah, no doubt. He's got to get hot sooner or later. Hoskins got hot. Um, geez, Schwarber's been incredibly hot for the for more than a month. Um, with with Harper out, somewhere along the line, Castellanos is going to have to win him a couple of games.
2: And, Mac, the reason why I even went down that uh, mental rabbit hole was because it happened earlier this year, at least in my opinion. You remember the night that Alex Bohm got caught lip-reading? Oh, I sure. this blank in place. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he had the three-error game and they cheered a, a routine grounder that he played the third. His fielding has actually been much better. He picked up right where he left off last year, butcher at third base. He has that game. He's got to explain himself and apologize afterwards. He hasn't been near as bad at third base this year. And I'm hoping, thinking, theorizing that that was part of it. So I'm trying to draw that same parallel with Castellanos. Don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm hoping that uh, history kind of repeats itself.
3: I hope so. I mean, the difference is Boehm is, I think, 25 in his third year and Castellanos is 30. So the chances of him changing are slimmer. But, yeah, I think we all hope so. That's fair.
10: Real quick, did you get a chance to read The Black Echo while you were on vacation? I
3: did. I did. And And thanks, Chris. Another great recommendation by Jody Mack. Jody, I read that book in like two and a half days on the beach and loved every page of it. Great recommendation by you.
2: Harry Bosch is one of my favorite literature characters ever not just last five years, ten years, whatever, I mean ever, uh, just tremendously created and continually carried out over the entire series by Michael Conley.
3: You know what's funny about that book? So the book, I, I don't know what year it was written, but it, it's obviously later 80s, early 90s. So there's so many little parts of it that are now so dated, like something happens and he's got to go find a payphone. <laughs> to call Just like a, there's like there's all that stuff that make you realize how much the world has changed since that book was written in that things were normal part of life back then don't don't exist anymore exactly all um, right two one five 592 we're coming up. Yes, we do. We check in with Ray Dinger, who, who knows. I may call him Jody, uh, <laughs> who reached out to me this week and said, I want to come on. Ray hasn't been on since he left at the end of April, but he wants to come on to review a movie for what we're watching. So that's coming up. And we will take your calls at 215-592-9494 with Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Macnow, Saturday on 94WIP. All right. Well, it is with Glenn and Ray actually today, and Jody McDonald. And what we're watching is sponsored by to Door and Window. Buy any window or door, and get the second one at fifty percent off, plus interest free financing for up to eighteen months. Call well, Guided Door and Window today at one eight seven seven go Guida, or visit them at go g u i d a dot com. All right, time to check in with my old partner Ray Dingeray. You reached out to me this week and said. There's a movie that you got to review, and we're going to give you the time. Before we do that, Ray, uh, I know you've got your play Tommy and Me coming up in Hershey, which yep. is going to be different. Tell people when and how they might get tickets.
4: Yeah, um, the, we're bringing Tommy and Me to the Hershey Theater, which is something I've really—and you and I have talked about this. It's something I really always wanted to do, was to basically bring the Tommy and Me story back to where it all started, which is Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is where— I, as a ten-year-old boy with an autograph book, stood outside the locker room and first met Tommy McDonald. Yeah. It's really, it's really where it all started. The whole Tommy and Me story started right there, uh, and then grew on to what it became, where the two of us both wound up in Canton, Ohio, and uh, the uh, and, I, and I knew the Hershey Theater was there, and it's been there for a long time. It's kind of an institution. I always thought, how cool would it be? to bring this story back to uh, the place where it all began. So we we've, we've now going to have a chance to do that. Uh, the play is going there in August uh, for just three performances. Uh, it'll be August 18th, 19th, and 20th. Uh, and um, I was talking to the Hershey Theater people this week, and they're delighted. They've already sold over 1,000 tickets for the three performances. Nice. So uh, So it's been very well received, and for the folks in central Pennsylvania up that way, Lancaster, Elizabethtown, Harrisburg, out that way, you know, a lot of them, they know about the play, but they've never had a chance to see it. So now we're... We're actually bringing the play to Hershey, and folks are turning out. So, if you're interested uh, in going up there, it's a Thursday night, a Friday night, and then a Saturday matinee. If you're interested, uh, just go to the Hershey Theater, Theater dot com, uh, and you'll see the icon for Tommy and Me. You click on that and order your tickets. And uh, I look forward to seeing you.
3: Nice, very nice. All right, so Jody uh, and I have been uh, doing what we're watching over the last few weeks, and we've actually seen a couple of TV shows. Jody, you uh, still checking out uh, The Old Man?
2: Watch the episode, I think it's episode four now, uh, the other night, and I
3: thought it was uh, once again very good. You're one ahead of me with Jeff Bridges. Ray, you would like it. uh, Actually, Ray, you don't even need to stream for that. You get it on FX if you want. Uh, I
4: know, I know. And I I really like Jeff Bridges. I really, 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 I've liked him from way, way back. Uh, Uh, And and, and I understand. You're retired
3: now, you've got the time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know.
4: I know. Uh it's um I th- I think he's really good and uh and I've read really good things about this. So I'm looking forward to watching it as well.
3: All right. However, you did go to the movies and you loved what you saw. Tell us about it.
4: I did. I uh uh I went to see uh Top Gun Maverick, which is the the sequel to the uh the original Top Gun and it's gotten it's gotten amazingly it's, well. There are two things about it: the fact that a lot of people are going to see it is not a surprise. I mean, people were dying to see this movie. It's they, they knew it's been it's been it was made five years ago, uh, and it's and it's just sat on the shelf all this time. Uh, had great buzz the whole time, uh, and uh, and Tom Cruise is the executive producer. Uh, basically put his foot down and said, no, 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 no. I, even though COVID is, is shutting down movie theaters and people aren't going to the movie theaters, we are not selling this to a streaming service. This is not a movie that should be seen on a television screen. If people are going to get the full Top Gun experience, they need to see it in a movie theater. And he was 100% right. Um, the, 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 the visual power of this, the, the visceral quality of the aerial photography is just incredible. It really is. I mean, it... When you watch this movie, especially especially if you get to just go see it in IMAX, um, you really do, you really do feel like you're flying the plane. It's it's just amazing. I mean, you feel the the takeoff when they're launched off the aircraft carrier, uh, that acceleration, that bring, I mean, you feel it. it. It it pushes you back in your seat. Uh, and when they actually fly the mission, where they're sort of diving in and out of these canyons to hit this really remote target, um, I mean, you're dipping and diving with the pilots. It's it's really something. I mean, it, it really is. It's You know, it has, it has some of the same limitations that the original Top Gun had in the fact that, that the script is just kind of okay, and there's some corny aspects to it. Right. Um, I remember Roger Ebert, in reviewing the original Top Gun, had a great line where he said, watch out for the scenes where the people actually talk to each other. <laughs> in other words, in other words, in other words, dialogue is not the strength of the right. Top Gun. It's all about the action, and that's kind of true of this too. Uh, but because the technology has improved so much in the 36 years since that first film was made, um, th- this this is, this is a movie-going experience far far exceeds the original Top Gun. I recommend it highly.
3: Wow. Okay. All right. Well. Good. Um. That 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 sounds great. Uh, let me ask you a question and ask Jody the same question. 'Cause Tom Cruise is obviously this that this is he's the movie, right? It's it's Tom Cruise.
4: Yes. Are although there... although although Miles Teller, uh the young actor from actually from Downingtown, he's a yeah. local guy, yeah. um, is, is quite good in this. people uh, his most notable movie role to this point was the uh, was the uh, the young drummer in Whiplash, who gets bullied by J.K. Simmons in that movie, um, and that was the first time I ever saw him. I thought, boy, this kid's really good. Uh, and he's now grown up, and he kind of he's he's kind of the second lead in this, and he's quite good.
3: All right, but all due respect to Miles Teller, and I heard him on WIP last month. He was very good on the afternoon show. But Tom Cruise is is maybe the last big movie star. My mm-hmm. question, my question for Jody and then for Ray, is there someone who he or she has a movie at and you're just going to go see it? Jody, is there anybody for you? It's like, oh, look who's got a movie. I'm going. Uh, I'm going to disappoint you again because the answer's no.
2: You keep asking me these questions that it's I do. It's all right. No's good no No is a fine answer. I, well, and if there's one, it would be Tom Hanks. Because uh-huh. he's just okay. a superior actor to anyone in the last 25 years. Uh, but I've gone and watched some Tom Hanks stinkers. And yeah. it's just because it's Tom Hanks that I go. Uh, but he would be the only one that would fall into that category for me. Let me just add to Ray's review. I've not seen it. But I will give you the review of someone whose movie appreciation I hold on high. And that's my daughter. She works in entertainment for Comcast and movies uh, promotions and stuff like that. She got to go to uh, a premiere in New York. They took her division up to see it in New York before it hit the theaters. And she texted me on the way home and said best action movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Wow. And she's in her 20s. She's not as old as three guys on the phone right now who have seen more movies than she has, but this is now uh, her whip. This is what she does on a day-in, day-out basis. And she said, Dad, if you don't go see this within the next week, you're an idiot. So I'm an idiot because I haven't (laughs) seen it yet. But my daughter went and saw it, and she certainly wasn't even alive when the first one was made, but understands the back and had to study the back stuff to promote it for Comcast like and she said it was the best action movie she's ever seen
3: nice all right so ray is there any because you know we've talked about this a lot is there any actor who he or she has a movie out ray dingers going
4: uh i'm with jody uh i really like tom hanks uh and i'm probably on i'm i know i'm going to go see elvis not because i'm a big elvis fan because tom hanks plays colonel tom parker and i'm just interested yeah. Uh, but but I am also a Tom Cruise fan, and I have been for a long time. Uh, I'm not that uh, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the Mission Impossible series, mm-hmm. but I've gone to see all of them, and I think they're varying. Some of them have been quite good, some of them just kind of so-so. Yeah. But I go to see them because I, I think I think Cruise, even at the age of sixty, can pull off the action thing really well. And uh, and in this, he's he's really good. And there's a they bring Val Kilmer back as Iceman, um, uh, and uh, there's a. There's, he's not in much because obviously his own health is his own health is pretty de- fragile right now. Yeah. Uh, but the meeting, they only have one scene together, but it's 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 really well done. I mean, Kilmer does a good job, and it's the one moment where, you know, Tom Cruise kind of walks away from being the cocky Maverick, and you kind of see some humanity there, and it's a pretty powerful scene. But the real movie, and I'm sure what Jody's daughter is reacting to, is are the flight scenes. They, I mean, they will just take your breath away. They're really that good. All
3: right, while we well, have you, Ray, we're going to ask you about a couple other things. Let's start with the Eagles. There's not a lot of news really going on, but uh, I think you and Jody and I all saw the other day the the odds came out for every single game in the NFL for each team up until the last two games. Right. And the Eagles are currently, and Jody and I will probably discuss this more later in the show, the Eagles are currently favored in each of their first four games. Ray, could they could they start the season 4-0? and oh?
4: Yeah, um I it's not impossible. You know, it it really isn't. I'm um I'm thumbs way up on this team right now. I really am. I think they have a chance to be I think they have a chance to be really good. Um I think that they're significantly improved uh since the end of last season. Uh I thought they did a really good job in the draft. Um, you know, Glenn, you know what I what I thought about that Georgia defense all last year. Oh, all yeah. last college football season every week. All like whenever I did my college football preview, I guess. I kept coming back to Athens, Georgia, and <laughs> I kept saying, you've got to watch this team. It's the best, best college defense I have ever seen. Uh, and, uh, and now, lo and behold, you've got two of the best players, probably the two best players off that defense, are now going to be wearing Eagles jerseys this year. So that's exciting. The addition of A.J. Brown, I think, uh, certainly is going to help the young quarterback. Um, I look for Nick Sirianni in his second year to be an even better coach. Uh, and I think the schedule, and you just talked about. I think the schedule really lays out in their favor. In addition to still being in a division that's not that great, um, you look at the two the two other divisions that they play uh, are not terrific. Um, they're, and their schedule, top to bottom, I think is very favorable. So, you know, if they get out of the summer okay, and they don't lose any players, and they can stay reasonably healthy over the course of the season, yeah, I think they have a chance to be really good. It all, you know, it all comes back to the quarterback. But uh, I'm one of those people that I expect to see a big improvement from the kid. I think. Uh, I think he's going to be good enough that uh, that this team, to me, they, they absolutely look like they're going to go back to the playoffs and maybe this time go back and do some damage.
2: All right, Ray, I've got a what you're watching question for you. Um, tomorrow evening, will you be in front of a TV watching a potential Philadelphia championship As the Stars battled the Stallions in the remake, we had a remake of Maverick. We could have a remake of the USFL, and it could be another Philadelphia championship, even though they've been nowhere within a 1,000 miles of Philadelphia this whole time. Will you be watching the Stars and the Stallions in the USFL championship
4: game? Probably not. <laughs> probably, probably not. Because I, I mean, honestly, I, I haven't watched a minute of it, um, the, the whole thing. Uh, and I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to put them down, and I'm not trying to poo-poo what they're doing. Um, fine for them. Good, good. I you know, I, I hope that it's successful. I, listen, I was a big fan of the original USFL. Not so much the World League. I thought the World League was kind of a joke, but I thought the USFL was pretty good. Uh, and I thought the Philadelphia Stars, the first incarnation of them, were really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, that the team. You've used, you're, there's a guy going in the Hall of Fame this year uh, who was played on the Philadelphia Stars, and that's Sam Mills. Uh, and they had a great coaching staff, and they were a very professional organization at the time. that the Philadelphia Stars were playing in the '80s, um, they were a much better run organization than the Eagles were, because the Eagles were post Dick meal, Marion Campbell was the coach. They were sort of falling apart under Leonard Toes. Uh, and at that time, the Philadelphia Stars looked more like a professional football team than the Eagles did. Uh, but this new incarnation of it, uh, they got the same colors, they got the same jerseys, but I'm not fully behind. it. Look, I'm, if they win the championship, good for them, but uh, I doubt that I'll be watching. There you go.
3: All right, real quick, 20 seconds or less. Ray, your reaction to USC, UCLA, and now, what is it, maybe Washington, Oregon, uh, going into the Big Ten?
4: Um, I kind of saw this comment. Um, cause the, you know, the big 10, it's really a, it, 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 you know, when you consider what the history of the big 10 and the pack and what used to be, the pac 10 used to be, uh, I mean, they were like brothers, you know, I mean, every, every year, the big college football game was you know, the granddaddy of them all was the Rose bowl. And it was the champion of the big 10 playing the champion of the pac 10. Uh, and they were like business partners, uh, to see, to see the two glamor schools jump into the big 10 just kind of tells you where college football's gone. I mean, the Big Ten felt like it had to do something uh, to gain some ground on the, on the SEC. Uh, and they have done that in a big way now. But we, what you've got now is that, you know, college football and all of college sports now is just kind of a, a big alphabet soup, you know, and, it's, and you've got the SEC and you've got the Big Ten and then you kind of got everybody else. And I don't, I don't know if that's a healthy situation, uh, but I think – the business, the business forces and basically the money were just driving it in this direction. So I didn't know if it was going to happen, when it was going to happen, but I, I knew it was going to happen. I had heard rumblings about this, but it's, it's just going to be so weird to talk about a Pac-12 yeah. without Southern Cal and UCLA.
3: Yeah, right, a big rivalry between, between Rutgers and UCLA. But there you go. <laughs> Ray, it is a pleasure. Uh, I hope to see you soon. We'll catch lunch. And uh, one more time, the play is coming to Hershey. What's the dates?
4: Uh, we will be at the Hershey Theater, uh, Tommy and Me, August 18th, 19th, and 20th, and I uh, hope to see you there. I think it's going to be absolutely great. Beautiful.
3: Ray, take care and, and watch The Old Man.
4: <laughs> I will do that. Hey, All listen, right. it's great talking to you guys. All take right, care. It's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks, there you right. Go. There you go.
3: You know he hasn't watched a TV show since The Sopranos? No. No, it's true. J- you none? don't know, Jody. When none. I was, you mean none, none? None. When I was working with him for 21 years, and we do this every week, he goes to movies, which, you know, I respect. He goes right. to theaters. And I would say, Ray, there's this show that's streaming on Netflix, on Amazon Prime, on Hulu, on Disney+, Plus, on Apple, and you would love it. And, Jody, I went so far. I said, Ray, I started with three months. I ended up saying, Ray, I will pay your subscription. To any streaming service for six months if you promise to watch one show. Couldn't get him to do it. I don't make the same not, offer. With not you.
2: even not even Heisenberg, which is no. part of the open
3: that we're still
2: playing. Yeah, with I know. You and uh, Ray, yes. He, he, you couldn't talk him into that.
3: No, I got to cut a new open by the way. Yes, no, I couldn't get him to do it. No, uh, that's, Anyway, that's Ray. He's he's a man of uh, his he's positions. An, I believe iconoclast is the word that that fits. All right, that's we got to cool. hit a break. Two one five. 592-9494. Keith Pompey of the Inquirer joins us at noon. We get your calls before that. Hey, are you tired of dealing with your old drafty windows and doors in your house? Maybe it's time you finally go Guida. The great people at Guida Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. Here's the deal. For every door window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off, and you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, well, you save 50% on half the project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guide is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest refinancing for up to 18 months. Act Now offers for a limited time, only restrictions apply. For full details, call Guide today. Schedule a free no obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven 877 go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A dot com.
11: Oh, oh man. man. Oh, boy.
12: Oh, boy. Oh, boy.
3: All right, well, we, we can go, Paul we can go off of that. That was, that was the TV play-by-play. When Bryce Harper got hit and broke his wrist, and uh, I guess the visuals kind of carried that one. You yeah, can, you can tell by Tom McCarthy's voice that it's not good. Anyway, this is the part of the show where we, we are joined by our doctors from Cooper Bone and Joint. Doctor David Gelt it gives us the pleasure of speaking him today. All right, Doc. This is going to be pretty vague because we don't—we really don't know what we don't know, and we—we—we yeah. we, we do know that Bryce Harper had surgery on Wednesday what we don't know is what bone or bones he broke whether he got a pin uh so i guess the question i can ask you is the theoretical what are we hoping for and what are we hoping against with this when we get the news
11: yeah so um you know from what i'm reading and obviously the uh the pictures are pretty gruesome unfortunately uh, you know it didn't hit his face or anything of that sort but right With the thumb, you know, the biggest thing with the thumb is it's an opposition, you know, digit, so it's good for gripping, and that's why it's difficult. You know, if it was like a ring finger or something else, it's not as significant. Um, But what most likely they did is either put a pin in it or a wire just to stabilize it, and it doesn't necessarily heal, it just keeps it in place so it doesn't move or get shifted, and then you just don't let it heal. At the same time, because you can put that in there, you can start moving a little earlier than if you just cast it and let it heal, Um, so you can start doing a little bit of rehab a little earlier. So best case, you know, if we're thinking hopefully six weeks. Um, so, you know, we're thinking about end of August or early September. So hopefully, you know, comes back for the run.
2: Doc understood that you see most of your patients after the fact. If something has yeah. happened, then you get to uh, examine them thereafter. You certainly question them about what happened and the like. We just played a clip of uh, the television broadcast, and the, the guys were so upset they didn't really add much commentary. The thing that yeah. was uh, gripping to me was – you could see Harper's hand shaking as he was just holding his hand. He was in so much pain that he couldn't keep his hand in place. Is that telling? Should we have known immediately? Oh, shoot, it's broken because of the way that he was shaking at that time. I know that's not the way you usually you get your patients, but I'm sure it's happened to you from time to time. What, uh, what was your, if you were watching at that time and
11: or the way I'm explaining it, uh, what did you read from that? Yeah. I mean, at, I- you have a pretty good idea when you have a, a 97 mile mile an hour fastball coming at the thumb, you know, everybody's hit their thumb with a hammer or, or banged it and you know it's, it's hurting. But when you have a baseball hit it that, that fast, you know, you know, there's something that's going on and just the bone just can't handle that. So I wasn't surprised that there was something broken there. You know, fortunately for him, it didn't seem like it was, I, just, I, to, I was a little displaced, I think from what they said, but the fact that there was a question if they were going to do surgery or not is a good sign, but hopefully it'll come back. You know, the good thing is, uh, you know, Derek Hall, you know, he's taking his place in the beginning. And, you know, he's had a, he's yeah. had a nice little uh, Sure. I was he, I was actually going to ask you guys. I don't know if I'm sure there's a stat. What's the uh, the record for first career hits consecutive uh, home runs for a person? Do you know that in the MLB? It well, caught me by
3: surprise. Yeah, not and off I, the top of my head. I know yeah. that uh-huh. he is, what do we say? He's, he's the ninth right player in the last 60 years with three home runs in his first three games. You asked a different question than that. I don't know that there's ever been a player to hit four home runs in his first four games. He's got the chance for that this afternoon, so yeah. that, that would be pretty impressive. All right, I have two questions for you unrelated to any of this, but things we've been talking yeah. about today. All right. Yeah. Is there a team that's not a rival of one of our teams, so not the Celtics, not the Cowboys, right, that you, Dr. David Gelt, just dislike for some reason?
11: In professional or college or it doesn't matter. Uh I would I would say professional, but I'll I'll accept college. Um I mean there's there's rivals that I have just for personal reasons. Um
3: No no, it can't be a like you yeah, went to I know. Yeah, a, I understand, I understand. With yeah. Yes,
11: yes, yeah. Um i have to think about it. I mean uh there's some teams I guess just because of certain players that I wasn't a big fan of. Um but I have to, I have to think about it. All right, uh, well, that, that's fine. You can come back yeah. with that next week. Here's my yeah. second question. Yeah.
3: Is there anybody who he or she makes a movie? I guess we could say TV show too. But he or she creates uh, uh, something, and you, Doctor David Gelt, say like I'm going to see that.
11: Yeah, there's a few. I think uh, first comes to mind is uh, Morgan Freeman. I think. Um, Ooh, that's he's a good answer. Been up there. Um, no, there's anytime it's on the. On TV, I'll stop to watch it, no matter what, his, what movie it is with him. So I'll probably have to say that at the first off the top of my head.
3: That's a that's a very good answer because Morgan Freeman does not do bad work. Yeah. You know. There you go. All right. Doc, it is always a pleasure, my friend.
11: All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great
3: holiday. Have a great holiday. You know who uh, I would put on that list for me, Jody? Who? Denzel. Yeah. Denzel does good stuff.
2: Denzel or Morgan? One or the other. Which one is it, Denzel? Over Morgan, huh?
3: Well, because he's more of a lead guy. Uh, Morgan Freeman will all, often be a—I don't want to say secondary character—but Denzel is more of a of a movie star.
2: Yeah, oh, I would certainly agree with that. But it's close. That's that's a great comparison because they are completely different actors. One's right. a uh, like Tom Cruise and an action hero, and the other one is. Uh, just a complete and total thespian. Um, wow. that I would lean toward Morgan Freeman, as a matter of fact. Uh, but it is damn close between both of those guys.
3: I asked my wife during the commercial break who she would put on the list. Tom Hanks.
2: She went Hanks, too, huh? She went Hanks.
3: If I'm keeping good company of Judy Macnow and Ray Didinger, yeah. I'm happy with my pick. Thank you very much. And I do want to see that Elvis movie. I think that's going to yeah. be pretty good. Oh, yeah. Same here. All right. 215-592-9494. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack. Now we're going to talk some Sixers hoop. What does all this mean that's been happening in the last week? And what chance, if any, realistically, do they have to get Kevin Durant, Keith Pompey, who does a terrific job with the Philadelphia Inquirer, will join us next. Jody Mack and Glenn Mack now on nine. Johnny mcdonald glenn mack now on a holiday weekend saturday on 94 wip this hour is sponsored by meridian bank business banking at its best visit them at meridianbanker.com all right it is a pleasure to be joined by the man who covers a team that's up to a lot these days the philadelphia 76ers keith pompey of the philadelphia Inquirer. keith how you doing man
12: Everything's going well. How you been, man?
3: We're all right. Nice to talk to you. So I'm going to start just with with this. How much better are the Sixers today than they were when the playoffs ended? Or a week ago, I guess.
12: You know, I I think they're a little better. I mean, I I do. Um, I think that the main thing is, more so than being better, um, they're tougher. You know, I mean, they have toughness. But, I mean, when we look at it, you know, P.J. Tucker is, is a guy, he's approved, he demands a lot of respect. You know, he's a, a a role player, but he's a guy who, you know, a lot of great players want to play off of. My question is, when you talk about the 76ers, especially moving forward, it's like, but who's going to be your three that you can depend on who's going to get shot, right? I mean, I know right now you have Tobias Harris will probably slide down to that position. But I also think you need some guys who are going to come off the bench and, um, and, and and get buckets and do some things as consistently. But they need a couple more glue guys. So when you look at the 76ers' team, even though they do have P.J. Tucker, even though they won out there and, and got the other two guys, you know, in order for them to win, two things have to happen. Joel Embiid has to continue to play at a high rate. He has to continue to... Um, um, be healthy, and to be honest with you, you know James Harden has, Harden has to come back in better condition, and James Harden has to prove that it was the hamstring and it wasn't Father Time that slowed his play. So it's all about indeed and it's all about Harden. Yeah,
2: Keith, uh, is PJ Tucker now a seventy-six or more so because? He was formerly acquired by Daryl Morey and had good years down in Houston, and they have a relationship. Or the fact that Joel Embiid mentioned him by name after they were eliminated in the playoffs, not only talking about the need for more toughness with the 76ers, but specifically pointing out P.J. Tucker, who was a reason why they came up short on the tough end against the uh, Heat this year in the playoffs, which is more a reason why Tucker is now a 76er? You know, I I think...
5: I think
12: the MB part was the one I, I guess like the icing on the cake, so to speak. You know, I, I think that if you're Daryl Moore, you look at PJ Tucker, you look at how he, you know, he fits well with James Harden, or how he was able to play off Harden. And, um, and, and then, but then when MB comes out and says what he says, and it's like, whoa, we really got to go get this guy because you know in the past what happens is you got one star player. And like Harden and PJ was there with him when Harden had his his most successful years. You know, typically the other star player, being Embiid, really doesn't want to play with them. A- 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 gun right? It's mm-hmm. like, yo, what are you doing? Um, it's, this is my team. But I think that when Embiid comes out and says what he said, yeah, it it kind of sort of you know put in the four court press. You know, because this is a guy that both of these guys want to play with a guy who um, can bring the toughness. But, you know, when you look at it, and the reason why I'm saying Daryl Morey with, with the Houston thing and everything is because if you look at it, all the guys who they came were, were Houston Rockets or in, in uh, Melton, uh, Anthony Melton, he was drafted by the Houston Rockets. So these are all guys that Daryl is familiar with.
3: Keith Pompey is our guest uh, beat writer, Sixers beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can follow uh, Keith on Twitter at Pompey p o m p e y on Sixers. All right, this is an either or question. Uh, as we know, James Harden um, decided to not uh, force the Sixers to uh, take his contract for next year, and he's going to negotiate a deal at lesser amount per year, presumably about three years. So, Keith Pompey, James Harden, philanthropist and great human being, or smart businessman?
12: I think he's a smart businessman, I mean, you know. I mean, I, I think he is. I mean, now, again, because, I, you know, I honestly think that when, when you look at this, I mean, let's say even if James takes four years, right, I mean, there are going to be certain people like, man, he's taking four. But when, when you look at it, you know, we can't fool ourselves. And, yes, he did help the team out. But at the same time, he's going to get more money probably on the back end. I mean, there was people saying, okay, he'll take this 47, he'll opt in, he'll get a two-year deal. But let's just say, I mean, a two-year extension, right? But let's just say if he, you know, he takes less money, but let's just say if he signs for four years. Or, you know, they can extend him or whatever. You know, it's just one of those things where when we look at it, yes, there's going to be probably a difference in the money, but is it going to be that much of a difference when you when you factor in? Three years, four years, you know what I mean, and, and then there's some other things you can do. And let's face it, it brings, it also gives them goodwill in the city because there are people like, man, you got to get rid of them. People were, last we saw was him struggling and and some people questioning his efforts. Yep. In the play series, and now all of a sudden everybody's saying he's one of us now. He's he's trying to make us better. So you know, to me. Yes, it was a good jester, but he's also a smart businessman, and he and he and he and he brought a lot of people who didn't want him to return excited of of, of for the future. Now,
2: Keith, uh, to really understand the way the salary cap works in the NBA, I think you have to take a master class at a major university to be able to understand all the ins and outs and nuances of it. I think I understand most, but I can guarantee you, I don't understand all. But then there's other rules that I had no idea even existed. When did this designated rookie, you can only have two guys on that type of a contract rule come to play in the NBA, because that will have a uh, direct effect on where Kevin Durant can or can't be traded to.
12: Yeah. And and, and um, I wish I had the answer to that one, because you're right. There are a lot of rules that they, they change. It's funny. Like it seems like one team will take advantage of something and, and do a lot of wiggle room and do things, and all of a sudden, like oh, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, it, it, that will factor in. I mean, but I, I kind of think that, you know, right now, like it, it's the, the thing about Kevin Durant is I know a lot of people are saying, okay, they got this rule, they got that rule. Well, at the end of the day, you a team would would be foolish to trade for Kevin Durant if that if they know he doesn't in his heart want to be there. And I think, you know, right now, the stuff that's coming out is he wants to be in Phoenix or he, will, he would love to be in Miami if, if it's not Phoenix. And I think that, you know, I, I hate to say it, like after what happened with Ben Simmons and after how James Harden planned his exit um, out of uh, Brooklyn and you see the Kyrie stuff, like a team would not want to trade for Kevin Durant knowing that the guy doesn't want to be there and it, it will turn into a circus. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money we're talking about. So I understand, like, you know, everybody's saying he probably can't go to Miami because of that with the BAM situation, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I do think there are some ways around it. And I also believe that, you know, ultimately that's not going to be the deciding factor, um, how that goes, how that shakes up. But I do believe that, you know, I wouldn't be shocked just for this way if he ends up in, my, in, uh,
3: in uh, Phoenix. But you would be shocked if he ends up here. You know, the thing about
12: here is I just don't know if the 76ers have the assets.
3: Now here's the one thing
12: you can say. You can say you can go to Brooklyn Sean Marks can say, All right, we'll take James Harden back. But James Harden, like basically, you know, won it out last year and then you're gonna welcome him back, right? But outside of that, I mean you have a you can have a package of maxi, you can have a pack um include Tobias Harris and, and Matisse Feibel in there, right? And But I don't know, like, when you get a guy like James Harden that certain teams aren't going to offer, you know, players of equal value and, and probably draft picks or have better players, a better uh, package player and draft picks. I mean, you look at the Sixers, you know, they don't have a lot of picks. I mean, they would have to lump another team in. So while I think that it would be a perfect fit for him you know I don't know I wonder A if him and Harden could get past what it was you know if if they could get that big three and it would be a great big three of Harden, KD and then B but I just think that these teams and you see it a lot of teams are making these trades and getting three and four first round picks and I think that some of these teams or a lot of these teams are going to go to um, Brooklyn and say look we have the players, but we also have the picks if you want it right so I think the sixers just don't have enough, but you never know what happens, right, yep.
2: Uh, if if you let me uh, ask you about the other two Rocket guys that have been added. P.J. Tucker is the biggest and most important. Uh, but uh, Daniel House and also trevelyn Queen, who's been a G League star but hasn't really made any kind of uh, impact on the NBA. Uh, it does look on paper like Daryl Morey is just grabbing every single ex-Rocket player that he can possibly get his hand on. In your estimation, are these guys who could actually fill roles on the 76ers this upcoming year and give them more bench strength?
6: You
12: know, I, I think the thing about Queen is one of those guys, like, you know, he's here in the Summer League in, in Utah. He's going to play. And I think it's one of those, okay, we're going to give him a chance to see what he can do. But, um, but you know, when, when you look at him, you you'll say, okay, but does he move the needle? Is he going to be someone that we're – we're saying, okay, the Sixers got better. No, you're not going to say that. Like, you know, he could be, you know, he has 300, the two-year deal, 300,000 of it is guaranteed. So that's one of those things where he could spend some time in the G League. But, I mean, as far as I think that when, when we go back and you think about Daryl Morey, like Robert Covington was one of the guys that was one of his fines. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they waived him and, you know, he, he became a 76er. And I think that what you do is you get these guys who you think may be a diamond in the rough, and you put them in situations. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, all you lost was three
3: hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, so but it's got to be—it's got to be that Doc Rivers is willing to play and develop a guy, which yeah, I felt exactly. last year was not something Doc Rivers is interested in.
6: Yeah,
12: and and that's and that's the problem, right? That's the problem, right? So that's, or, or the problem that they have to have. Yeah. So you know, he—you know—I'm looking at him as maybe. I mean at best, at best, he can surprise some people and be you know a, a a rotation player but but for the most part, I'm looking at him as a you know into the bench type of guy maybe right? right but but who knows now the guy eddie house he he kind of like intrigued me a little bit because he started out that same type of guy, but I don't know if, if Eddie House is like the move the needle type of guy either you know like I know he brings that toughness. You know, he, he shot the ball extremely well in in, in Utah. I mean, he shot 41.7% from three. But then in the playoffs, he shot two for 10. And and the thing about it is, it's like, you know, I, I think the Sixers, there on this stage now that, you know, you got to get guys who can help you in the playoffs. You know, like George Niang, I love him to death. You know, he struggled in the postseason. Some of it could have been the injury. But what that does is, like, right now, you know, I think that, like, we can't get blind at what people do in the regular season and their roles. It's all about postseason. And yep. to me, Eddie House has to show show people that he can do it in the postseason.
3: All right. One last one for me. Joey may have one more. Uh there is talk that they may trade for yet another Houston Rocket Eric Gordon. Um I don't know what they would trade for Eric Gordon, but do you foresee that and what would he bring?
5: Yeah, I was
12: actually I was shocked that they didn't get a deal done on draft night for Eddie Gordon. They tried to. They wanted to uh, ship Matisse to a third team, and then what what that would have done is that would have um, you know but of course there would be some other packages in there, but the third team would have sent some stuff to Houston, and then Eddie I'm not Eddie Eric Eric um Eric would have been here. Eric Gordon would have been here. The thing about Eric Gordon, he's kind of like a little bit of the Danny Green mode, um, maybe a you know younger and, and a little bit better shape, um, meaning like you know Danny had the injuries the last two years. This guy's been injured too, but you know he's a quality shooter. He's a good defender, um, but he could also be someone who can come off the bench and he could fill fulfill that role that Doc Rivers has always had, where he had a guy who could be aggressive, knock down shots, play D, you know, be that you know one of the league leading six men. Now, the thing is, with him being 33 years old, and you look at you know uh all these other guys who are up in age, you know getting him just tells me that you know the Sixers have a plan to like win a championship within the next two years. They're just getting putting all the chips at the table yeah. to in the table to win a championship. I like him, but I'm of the belief that M- Matisse Fible is going to get better, and I'm of the belief that if the Sixers get rid of him, prematurely, it could end up turning around and biting them in the butt, so to speak. So, you you know, I don't really – I like this guy, but I also think that – I mean, I guess I might be in the minority, but I do believe that Matisse Seibel is going to develop into being a a, a great player.
2: You and I are in that minority together. I'm tentative on wanting to trade Matisse Seibel. I still believe in his offensive upside. Last one for me, Keith. Other teams, yeah, we care about the 76ers and scrutinize every single move they make, um, but they compete against everyone else in the NBA. Anyone do a specifically good job in your eyes since free agency kicked in two days ago? You said, oh, damn, and the Sixers got to compete with them, uh, trade, free agent signing. Anybody else wow you with their moves here out of the game? You
12: know, uh, not, not really wow me. You know, the thing that's really – because um, the thing that really I, – I, let me go the opposite. I'm I'm gonna go the opposite okay. of, of why. The thing that's really getting me right now is what was happening in 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 Golden State. You know, like I know they had the core players, right? And and they were injured the last couple of years, but it seemed like they were grooming a lot of these young guys. You know, like Gary Payton and, and, and you know, a couple of the other ones. And it just seems like they're all leaving. They're all getting a payday. And and, you know, to me when you have that right um, and you have that bird rights, and you can you do certain things. It seems like I know these other guys are the superstars, but as we have Joel and B, we realize that you just a superstar isn't going to win you a championship, right? You need these role type of players. So the fact that they're losing these guys, um, to me that's like wow, uh, he's going here, like he's not coming back. That's the thing that's really wilding me. You know, the one thing I'm realizing now is that you know. You know, here's a guy, um, and and let's talk about the Washington Wizards, um, for instance. You know, Bradley Bill. A lot of people were getting excited, thinking that he would go somewhere. Yeah. But it just tells me right now that a lot of these players in the NBA is all up. Winning the championship is something you want to do right before you retire, with most of them. Like a lot of them want to get paid. They want to score a lot of points. They want to do whatever they can because that enables them to make the All Star team. Because people look at statistics, and, they, and, and they, they, their name is out there. But then that enables them to get another contract. And then when it's like their tail end of their career, then it's like, hey, uh, I think I want to join the Lakers or, or someone right. so I can take a minimum deal and get a championship. So to me, if you look at a lot of these moves, they were all about players getting paid more so than fitting in with a team to win a championship.
3: Well, there you go. Keith Pompey, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Enjoy your 4th of July.
12: Hey, and same to you guys and your family.
3: All right, there you go. Thanks, Keith. Be well, Keith. Uh, The the last point he made I thought was a good point, which is the NBA has, um, I don't know, how. I'm curious how you feel about this. Become the league, I guess it's the place where it's the most possible in recent years where guys are chasing rings, right? You can't really do that in the other sports as much as you can in the NBA because in the NBA you get three or four guys on a team that are of that quality. You can do it. Does that bother you? No.
2: I'll tell you what bothers me. And, uh, you know, I do my shows on the weekend on CBS Sports Radio, so I have to keep a national perspective and get national guys on. Yeah, I was on until 2 o'clock last night, too. Um, A lot of the NBA talking heads, analysts, TV guys, radio guys, major print guys called Golden State on the carpet, and their championship wasn't a full-blown championship because – well, they they buy everybody. They've got the biggest payroll. They've got this unbelievable uh, resource, being able to charge as much money for their tickets and a great TV deal. And uh, it's not really they didn't really win it. They kind of bought it. No, they didn't. They kept all their own guys. Yeah, yeah you got to pay right. Steph Curry forty-five million dollars if you want to keep him. They right. do. You want to keep Clay Thompson? You got to pay him forty-plus million dollars. They didn't. When they went out and got Durant, that was a little purchasing. But the team that won the championship this year was one that was put together by their general manager with smart moves. A couple of guys factored in who would come and play for the minimum just because they wanted a chance at a ring. And damn if they didn't get it, like a Peyton who just left. Um, Those who think that they can just disparage a, a championship team because... They they stay within the rules of the NBA salary cap, but oh, if you're the number one team, then you didn't really win it. You kind of bought it. That's malarkey, as far as I'm concerned.
3: Uh, yeah, I I, I feel I agree with you on that. I am, I it, I never liked when LeBron and Wade and those guys said like, okay, let's all meet in Miami and we'll win a championship. Right. That that just was mercenary and transient and and that. So I don't particularly like that. All right. Uh, I want to go to our producer, Kyle Quinn. Actually, before I go to Kyle, I just want to tell you that I got a note from a friend of mine that said I may be more interested in the Lions on New on. Excuse me, on Thanksgiving Day this year than normal because they play this year on Thanksgiving Day. Jody, the Buffalo Bills. Oh,
2: so it'll be okay with you. You'll enjoy the game.
3: There you go. Yeah, I'll I'll be, watch I'll, it with my dad. I'll either be eating or sleeping. I yeah. Well, yeah. I understand. Not, that, 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 I don't care. When I get to watch the Bills with my dad, which, you know, we don't get to do as often as we wish, that's always a big treat. Uh, And so I want to go to our producer, Kyle Quinn, because we did ask the question earlier, is there a team in any of the four sports that you just don't like? (laughs) It's not a rival. It's not like you're supposed to hate them, but you just do. Jody, you said the Detroit Lions, which I thought was a good one, for those reasons. For me, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. I just – snooty i don't know better than thou i don't like him for kyle quinn who's it for you
13: yeah well first of all jody leave the lines alone the lines didn't do anything to anybody but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh i would have to go Picking with
3: on the unfortunate
13: yeah you, i mean come on I'm going to have to go with the New Orleans Saints, and it it actually, uh, I I can't stand the Saints, but this dates back to probably more recent events than anything. First of all, I couldn't stand Sean Payton's stupid face and his little gum chewing constantly and (laughs) all that. He just pissed me off so much. Uh, Actually, really where it stemmed from was, it was sort of after the 2017 season, Alvin Kamara went on record saying oh we would have beat the bleep out of the eagles if That's we went right. and played them in uh right. in philly and i was like you know what screw you dude you couldn't even beat the team that we absolutely smoked uh and then you know the vikings, ended up yeah right. the vikings
3: of course yeah, you so you got to win the game to get to the game right
13: so uh, you know I, alvin kamara Pissed me off, and now it you know it's come out that he's even more of a, uh, a scumbag than than we might have ever oh, known. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I between him, Sean Payton, uh, Michael Thomas, I mean, Saints fans, they just they just bother me a lot. I cannot stand the Saints.
2: All right, so let me get this right. You yeah. hate the team that had one of the best sports narratives in the last decade when they rallied together and won a championship after Katrina down there in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, That's Judy. the team That's the team that you hate. Judy. But you're going to get on my case because the Lions, who, yes, I'm kicking them while they're down, don't get down and then you won't get kicked. Yeah, well, I stand
13: by my uh, disdain for the team from Motown. That's fair enough. The, the Katrina thing is probably about 12 years before uh, the incident that I'm referring to. So, And I was also probably, I guess Katrina was 2005. I was 10. So it uh, d- didn't really bother me. Uh, didn't, yeah, I got it didn't really before have any, yeah, any impact yeah. on me as uh, a, a young man.
3: I will say this. I have been to uh, New Orleans, which is a great city. It's one of the best cities to visit the United States. Saint fans, Saints fans are pretty cool i i i have always enjoyed my time with saints fans but the argument you laid out is as good as any listen there's the it's irrational hate that we're talking about right very true it's it's how you feel so if I choose to hate the St. Louis baseball Cardinals because I don't like their fans and I don't like Scott Rowland and I don't like Tony La Russa, who I thought was an apologist for steroids and et cetera, that's it. If Jody doesn't like the Detroit Lions for the Thanksgiving thing, which actually is a good argument, <laughs> and because he felt Barry Sanders got too much praise over Emmitt Smith at the time, and you hate the Saints because the Kamara, hey, we would have beat the Eagles. Yeah, and Sean Payton's be, dumb it's, face. It's like it's all good enough. It's the arguments you make. Exactly. No. Uh, we, we've laid out what we're looking for
2: well, and uh, I, I appreciate uh, uh, Kyle's choice, even though um, I, I do kind of like the Saints. And, oh, by the way, I think the Saints are going to be good this year, which is going to hurt the Eagles because the Eagles have that first-round draft pick. I think some people are banking on do the you. Saints. Yeah, I, I, I've talked to a couple – think the Saints are going to be like a 4-5 or five win team. I don't. It all comes down to whether Jameis Winston can stay
3: on the field. Yeah, or not. that's what you're believing in, and I—that's a tough one for me to buy into. Yeah, well, he—he he hasn't been an injury-prone player over the
2: course of his career, so why wouldn't you think that he's been able? Well, I just don't. I've never seen him, broad broad
3: him as i have never seen him as a top-flight quarterback.
2: Well, they were like five and two when he started last year. GMAC—they yeah. started the season real well and were playing well under. Uh, Winston before he got hurt with Sean Payton though Jody he's gone true it's a big that's loss That's true too no, Sean was... Payton with this snotty face that you can't stand yes Is that, that's come... who we're talking about by the way about. I get okay. I get, just just check it there Kyle
3: I get the Sean Payton face thing I I absolutely get it. and Sean Payton was he was a um, he could be an unfriendly dude.
13: Well, there's history, too, with the uh, the Bounty Gate stuff. I mean, he's got a, got a yeah, little bit of a checkered uh, yeah, past. Yeah, he, he, uh, he wasn't behind that, but uh, yeah, b- believe
2: me,
3: he knew what was going oh, on. Oh, he was uh, in Williams, the defensive coordinator. But yeah. nonetheless, nonetheless, it's a fine answer. All right, 215-592-9494. We'd love to take your calls. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Along with Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94WIP. Jody, I know I know the answer to this. We're going to ask it anyway. Are you a fireworks guy, 4th of July?
2: Um, I enjoy a good fireworks display. I'm not a firecracker guy because people get hurt with that stuff. But just generally going to a fireworks display, I didn't see it last night, but supposedly they had a great one at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, yeah, I got no problems with fireworks.
3: Yeah, I'm a big fan. I love the whole Barbecue, fireworks, Americana, all that stuff. Went to a outdoor band concert the other day. They're firing up the John Philip Sousa. I get into all that stuff. I love that stuff. Um, this hour is brought to you by Meridian Bank. Uh, business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. So when Ray was on, Jody, I asked him, but I, I would really like your thoughts on this because I know you're you're a good college football guy. The traditional conferences have been, you know, in flux for a lot of years, and teams have been ju- jumping all over the place. Schools have been jumping all over the place, and traditional geographic boundaries don't mean anything anymore. But when, the, when something which is still called the Big Ten, which is far from ten teams anymore, um, welcomes in USC, UCLA, and apparently there's going to be in a, a couple other teams, what's your thoughts on that? Because I don't like it.
2: I, I don't like it either, but I understand it. Uh, unfortunately, Glenn, we like to talk about things like emotion and who you hate, irrational hate, stuff like that. I like and rivalries, then, yeah. And then you get back to why things happen today. It's M O N E Y money. It's all about money, and this is certainly all about money. It's about billion dollar TV contracts. And it goes further than that. This probably hasn't branched out yet, but uh, remember, I told you about it because it's going to happen. It's going to get back to streaming as well, which is another topic we hit on the show here. Um, the, The Big Ten Network is going to have Big Ten Plus streaming that if you want to see your team, you're not Ohio State, you're not Michigan, but you're a Nebraska alum and you want to see Nebraska every single week, they're going to be on the Big Ten Network Uh, but you got to stream it you got to pay the price and you got to be a subscriber that's what this is all about it's about television contracts network ones which are the biggest money but don't discount the streaming underneath where they're going to have the rights to show their games and they're going to be able to charge you for that and the like that's what it all is about it's has nothing to do with rivalries or history or anything else it's where can I get my universe? Remember when it used to be that, well, we don't really want to play because we got to get our kids on a plane and how much it's going to cost yeah, right. and take them away from school. No, 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 no. We're cashing this check. Because we're a member of this conference and they're getting that much money to broadcast our games, oh, that's what drives the bus.
3: So, and is this? I, I mean, maybe you've read more than I. This goes more than just football. They're joining these conferences for everything because USC, UCLA have teams in every single sport, including a lot. You know, you know, there's no water polo near as I know team that's playing out of Michigan. Um, but th- will this extend to other sports and men and women so that? You know, Rutgers is going to go be playing tennis at UCLA. It should. That's the way it's supposed to
2: work. Now, will they in the future diverse themselves and say there's different rules for every single sport and the like? That's not on the books right now. Could it be coming? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But as of right now, you join that. You join your new conference. You're supposed to join it across the board in all the sports.
3: I'm sure those UCLA kids are going to be thrilled to be going to Minnesota in uh, December to play <laughs> whatever other sport there is to play. And
2: all, a lot of these defections, specifically this one that just happened yesterday, it's all, again, I'm back to, to being a yeah, yeah, yeah. businessman. It's about market size. The, the Big Ten yeah. just pulled down L.A. LA is one of the biggest TV markets, and yes, they care more about college football in LA than they do about the NFL, even with the Rams having won a championship, it's still a bigger deal in LA. Oh, they get to add the LA market to their Big Ten network? That's why
3: they're doing this. Right. So the Big Ten now has, well, has, I guess, R- R- New York, if you consider Rutgers New York. Right? That's the with- only
2: reason why Rutgers was pulled right. in. Uh, I exactly. guarantee you that.
3: Right. And you have Chicago, right, with Northwestern. And you have Detroit with, with uh, the Michigan schools. And now yep. you have L.A. Yeah, that's four of the well it's the three largest markets in the country and Detroit I think is still a top 10. So, yeah, I I know, I know, I know. You know, maybe tomorrow you and I are back again together tomorrow and I, and maybe one theme that I want to talk about if we can get people calling about it that would be interesting to me is how people consume sports because you are right, it is going to be network, but it is going to be streaming. Um, and there's so many developments happening right now with the way people consume their sports. I read a thing that, you know, the NBA had the had the lowest TV ratings in a long time uh, this year. Um, the, the finals, excuse me, had a really low TV rating. And they are finding that people under age 30 don't watch games. They watch highlights. Right. They, they go to YouTube or they go to Instagram and they want to see the highlights. They don't want to watch the whole game. I'm wondering how much that's that. I'm wondering how our audience feels about that, and how people will consume games moving forward. Uh, you do the streaming stuff with that Jacob Network, right? And that yeah. and, and that thing is growing. Uh, I I believe that uh, that they're going to be doing a post game show there, an Eagles post game show, and they get audience. And ten years ago, that that thing you do would not even be a, a, you know a dream of anybody. Well, maybe a dream but it wouldn't be happening
2: it's a uh, you're right it's a kind of an in-depth conversation even in the fact that we all we, we think all sports are created equal and they're not the nfl is the big dog and they uh, have such a consumption that they belie all other sports around them uh the nhl is is celebrating their increased ratings Their increased ratings are minimal, but they're up and no one else is trending up. Everyone else is trending down. So if you got something you can point to and go, hey, we're actually up, you're up because you got on ESPN. Let's be honest. That's the reason why their ratings went up and they got more of a buzz from ESPN than they ever did from NBC. NBA is down baseball is kind of comparable to the nba that those are the only two that i would put side by side and say let's see how one is doing one's the other oh this uh, league is stronger than the other league they're all different they're they're not the same we all want to make these very sweeping generalizations about it But the sports are different, the way they're consumed, they're different, the kind of deals that they have with their broadcasting outlets are different. It's a very uh, difficult argument to make and or understand.
3: Well, the baseball thing is interesting to me because I, I don't know how many people anymore sit down and watch an entire baseball game on TV. Right. Yeah,
2: I, I do basically every night. But I I readily admit the commissioner I, am, doesn't. I am the exception not the rule.
3: <laughs> right. Did you see uh Rob Manfred was interviewed this last week and they said how many hours of baseball do you watch a week and I I have to look this up. I'm kind of doing this up the top of my head, but I he, I think he basically said, eh, you know, 6 to 8. I'm thinking 6 to 8. That's like two games at most. Uh and he's the commissioner. Right. I think that and, again, I, I'm, I'm kind of teasing a topic that maybe we can, we can find a way to clarify tomorrow. But I think that probably, and, of course, it's the younger you are, the more prone you to, to do this, the Phillies play, and people will look up highlights, and that's how they'll watch the Phillies, as opposed to sitting down at 7.05, or today it's a little bit after 4, and saying, okay, I'm in for the next, well, baseball now, three and a half hours, and I'm going to watch every pitch. And I think that, and, and, you know, relates to the streaming services and it relates to the social media. I'll just throw in one more thing, this, this new golf uh, thing, the LIV thing, right? It's on, it's on, um, Net, not on Netflix, it's on YouTube. Right. That's where you watch it. It's, it's just the world's changing.
2: And I'll give you a uh, just personal example. Um, watching the Phillies game the other night, the old man came on. And I'm taping both. I'm taking taping both the game and Old Man. Yeah, great so, uh, Phillies go to commercial, boom, I go to Old Man. And I, I, I go to the tape so I can get past the commercials and watch five minutes of it. And then I go back to the Phillies game. All right, I missed the first batter. No big deal. And I watch the next two. Hours. Okay, commercial, boom, I'm back to the Old Man again. People are multitasking every single day. I think even with their television viewing, you watch two things at once, and that's one of the beauties of baseball because there are some things you got to watch. Like I don't think anybody would do this with an Eagle game. You try and filter in something else while you watch. It. No, no, you watch every snap of yes. the Philadelphia Eagles F- yes, game. Yes,
3: football is entirely different.
2: Yes. Baseball, you don't have to do that. If no, you don't. It, have- and and if you miss it, you got it on tape. Now all you got to do is hit rewind. And, oh, shoot, uh, Hoskins hit a double down. Uh, how did I miss that? Let me go back and watch. And you just do it. That well, technology has made watching that much easier. But then how much did you really watch if you're just going back to find the big plays and uh, watch something else at the same time? And I think
3: that's the way most people are anymore. Yeah. They just, they just want to see the big plays. You just remind me of something. We've got to hit a break in a second. but And I know this is when you and I were working together the first time. So it's the mid-90s, and I got a TV, and it's like I was all excited because I wanted to watch the game, but I wanted to watch something else. Maybe it's another game. Maybe it's something else. And I bought a TV, Jody, with picture and picture. Picture
2: and picture and with I thought, little this box in the bottom. Gonna,
3: yes, this is going to be the greatest thing I ever got in my life. First of all, I don't think I ever exactly figured out how to make it work correctly. Just it was always It was always a challenge to me. And second of all, it's one of those things where I think a lot of people bought it once and nobody ever bought it twice. Well, the key that you needed was
2: you had to have a secondary source. You had to have like a VCR because you couldn't punch two channels up at once. You had to have one feed come through some other location Mm. so you could go back and forth between the two. And then, yes, you needed to become very proficient with the remote control. I'm such a... TV dilettante that, uh, yes, I got good enough to do that. Uh, and I lived with my picture-in-picture.
3: Yeah, you still have it? Uh, no. Still no. get it? Uh, do they even offer it anymore?
2: I would. Uh, my point would be if someone still has picture-in-picture on their TV, you need a new TV. It's <laughs> time to upgrade. So they If don't you make still it got anymore. picture-in-picture. Not I, an option anymore. I, I do not believe any new TVs are made, being made
3: with picture-in-picture capabilities. Yeah, I was one and done with that thing. I mean, it's you just hit the last button, right? and it's correct like, like you I can I can I can watch two things at the same time, probably not a drama like that, but I can watch two baseball games and pretty much get it down to the pitch. I can watch two football games, not Eagles. I watch every play, but if it's you know whatever, there's double header on and it's not the Eagles, I can go back. it's like, I got the snap on that game, okay, now I flip to the other. I can do that pretty well, pretty adeptly, but picture in picture, I never. Never figured that out.
2: And that's my knock against streaming. And I'm like you. I don't do it as much as you do, but I've got most of the services. I pay for a couple. My daughter has allowed me to get uh, some from her because she's got them. And you could have two or three people whose email you put in so that you're a part of it, too. That's the only thing that stinks about streaming because you can't go directly back and forth. You've got to yeah, get yeah, out yeah. of the streaming yeah. and then get back up on a TV. True. And then it takes time. When you hit that button, you want to go immediately to the other game or the other thing that you're
3: watching, and you can't do that with streaming. That is correct. 215-592-9494. He is Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Macnow. Saturday on 94 WIP. And it is time for me to tell you about Guide At Door and Window. If you're tired of dealing with your old drafty windows and doors in your house, maybe it's time you finally go Guida. The great people at Guida Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off, and you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. So, you buy an entry door, you get half off a storm door. You buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, well, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers are limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven 877 go or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A dot com. Along with Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. This hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Jody and I will be back uh, again doing this. Tomorrow, by the way, coming up after us today is Rob Ellis and Ruben Frank. Uh, Jody, what else did I want to ask you about before I get out of here? What, what's your uh, what's your take on the Deshaun Watson uh, situation? Now They did three hours, of three hours, three days of hearings this week, testimony and arguments uh, about whether and for how long he would be suspended. I'm sure you, like me, kind of know the story. If you were commissioner of the NFL, what would be your ruling? I got a chance
2: to talk to, uh, I name. I know you'll recognize, John McClain. Uh, great yeah, NFL, one of the greats. A yeah. uh, columnist who's no longer writing for the Chronicle, but he does about 10 sports radio shows a week, and he hinted last night he may write come NFL time again, not necessarily for the Chronicle again, but John is one of the best football uh, writers, columnists, uh, Hall of Fame voter and opinionists around the the entire country, um, and asked him about how it's affecting the Texans because he's a Houston guy and the fact that they got dragged into the lawn, uh, the lawsuit because they provided – Watson with NDAs to give to his ma- hey, isn't that a bad sign? Yeah, don't you know something's yes. gone awry yeah.
3: when you say here?
2: Have yeah. them sign this ahead of yeah. time.
3: Hey, Jody, yeah. let's go to lunch. But before we do, would you sign this non-disclosure <laughs> agreement? Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, that's a scary thing, or not a scary thing? That's an improper thing. Yes, exactly. So I got
2: John's take on the whole thing. He thinks it's going to drag out. He thinks it's going right up before the season starts, which is, uh, excuse me, before camp starts, which really is a deterrent to the Browns. They don't know what they're, how many games they have to be ready for. They've got Baker Mayfield still under contract, yeah, and he had that. to be asked this week can you mend fences? And we've already parted ways. I I kind of feel bad. Unlike the Lions, which I have this unnatural hate for, I I've got no issues with the Cleveland Browns and I kind of feel bad for their fan base because That's it.
3: It's the not, fan base.
2: The Browns. Yeah, they're the,
3: screwed again. Yeah, well, the Browns made their own stupid deal and made, signed to, you know, sign him to a ridiculous contract which protects yep. him if he gets uh suspended this year. So I I don't feel for the Browns, but that fan base, yeah, I feel that they're, they're, they're a lot like the Eagles. They're a long-suffering fan
13: base. I feel for them.
3: All right, let us go to our producer, Kyle Quinn, and find out what did we forget to talk about today.
13: Yeah, fellas, uh, a few things, and I, I'll start with this one because this one kind of extends uh, beyond the realm of sports alone. And uh, so a Flyers goaltender prospect, name was Ivan Fedotov, I believe yeah, I'm pronouncing Fedotov, that correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, Russian. He was uh, preparing to come to America to train with the Flyers organization and, you know, of course, we know what's going on over in uh, Russia, Ukraine right now. Some scary stuff. So he was uh, just detained, I believe it was yesterday, uh, basically for you know doing what they consider draft dodging. Um, they want him to join the war effort against uh, Ukraine, and yeah, he was uh, he was taken into custody by uh, by I guess the Russian authorities. Uh, yesterday, so that's yeah, just a really was, scary he forced, situation.
3: He was forced to enlist, according yeah. to media reports. Um, yeah, it's. A, I mean, I, I don't even know how to respond. It, it's. It's. It's a really rough thing. It's. It's a really rough thing for him. He was prepared to come over. I think in May, um, he signed the contract, and he was going to come over for this next season. He's a good prospect, and um, I really feel for the guy. It's Jody. It's an odd relationship that the NHL. Has a ton of Russian players, including some of the best in the league, but Russia is, you know, going through all the going through a war right now, and is an unfriendly uh, country to the United States. And this guy is, uh, I think, he's screwed. I don't know what to say.
2: Yeah, there's not any other way to look at it. But here's the only thing I don't get, and I when I saw the name, I'm going damn, when did the Flyers draft him? And then I realized they drafted him, like, years ago.
3: Yeah, when he was that a he's, teenager.
2: Yeah, that he's been over in Russia the whole time, and he's never been a guy who, when you get your reports from uh, guys who cover the Flyers, down and, down, and this is a goaltender that they can lean on at some point during uh, the future down the road. He is was kind of a non-factor, and he's become a factor because he just happens to be in this situation, and I feel really badly for the young man, but uh, he really hasn't been on the forefront of any flyer conversation since they drafted him last decade. Yeah,
3: yeah well, I think, and, and goalies can be slow developers. I think he, again, I don't want to get too inside hockey here, but I think he, he really emerged last year on the KHL team that he was in and yep. was... Considered a guy who could make it. I I don't
13: know what happens next with that. What else you got, yeah, Kyle? Yeah, uh, it just really scary stuff. Kind of yep. puts things into perspective. Uh, okay. So uh, we'll stick with hockey here. I believe this happened. I mean, after the last time you guys were on the air, the Colorado Avalanche, are <laughs> <Our> Stanley <laughs> Cup champions, they won in six games. But get this: Con Smythe, the playoff MVP, went to none other than Kale McCarr. Yeah, who Jody and I spoke about, and and. You know,
3: hindsight is great. God, they could have drafted him over Nolan Patrick. Al Morganti, who I trust on hockey more than almost anybody, and Al being a Boston guy, knows it would be sacrilegious to say this. If not true, compares him to Bobby or Jody Mac.
2: He is that good. Just scary good. But yeah, you and I talked about it before the final, and I said, damn, the Flyers actually had a, chance to draft them and they passed on him shame on them for that and now the guy's a consmite winner
3: oh let me give you one great stanley cup story so you know that the cup after after they uh, awarded each player gets a day or two with the cup and i'm trying to remember which player it was i forget but they were going to deliver the cup to one of the players the other day and they got the address wrong <laughs> and this man and woman are like sitting in their house watching tv and the doorbell rings and they they live in, in Denver, and they open the door, and the Stanley Cup is sitting on their front porch, and the guy who takes care of the cup says, here you go, enjoy it. And they, oh. it's like, what? what? <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, so they delivered the cup to the wrong people. Wow. They figured it out. He didn't touch it, did he? Oh, I— I, oh, I think so, did. yeah. I would imagine I, so,
2: yeah. I, I think it was Lannislaug who... Uh,
3: That's it, like da- yes,
2: that was it. You down got the it. block. He's in the neighborhood. Right. They just had one number reversed <laughs> on the address
3: or something. And, yeah, here, go ahead, take the Stanley yeah. Cup for a while. <laughs> Thank you very much. See you in two days. Call up all your friends.
13: All right, what else? All right, uh, so I just want to run this by Jody Mack real quick. A lot of NBA free agency talk yesterday, but one that I think was... Man, this is a big one yesterday. Uh, Brogdon... From the Pacers to the Celtics for a uh, pick and some players man I just feel like that's a perfect fit for Boston Jody what are your thoughts on that it was and I gave uh, Keith uh, Pompey a chance to go
2: through that door was there a move that you would say had significant impact actually moves the needle that was the one I was thinking about sorry sixer fans uh, I'm with you I think it's just a a really good fit addition for the Celtics but here's where I will save the sixers fans angst. The two teams that were in the championship this year, Boston and uh, Golden State. Al Horford did. Was Al Horford the reason that the Celtics <laughs> won the Eastern Conference this year, Glenn? Because he was their only big offseason addition. Right. Uh, I don't think you could say that. Golden State basically got healthy. They didn't make any big moves. They didn't have any big additions. They just got their superstars healthy and back for the playoff run. So even though we all want to overreact, I was listening to WIP yesterday, Mark Therese were on, and Johnny Marks was going through the updated odds to win the NBA championship. And the Celtics had moved into the favorite spot, probably because of the Malcolm Brogdon addition, It doesn't always dictate who's going to win the next year. Who wins the offseason
3: isn't always the team who ends up winning a championship. Amen to that. Uh, Jody, always a pleasure. You and I will be back tomorrow morning at 10. As I said, Rob Ellis and Ruben Prank coming up next. Nice job by Kyle Quinn. Everybody, enjoy your day. And if we don't talk to you before, enjoy the holiday. Stay tuned right here
13: on 94 WIP.